now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is, well, he's, he's out. Uh, but, you know, we're doing, we're doing these special episodes. This is uh, Out Now. It's a film podcast. Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we, have these, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something could be different. And this is one of our fun bonus commentary episodes. It is the month of July. 2019 which means we have a new commentary track for the month and that for this month in honor of the upcoming once upon a time in hollywood is death proof quentin tarantino's death proof uh why death proof well we'll get to that in a few minutes but mainly it's the, it's one of his shorter films so it's easier to do a commentary track for uh with all that in mind join me to discuss death proof this evening we have from why so blue in the cult cinema cavalcade podcast he's going left when he should be going right it's brandon peters hey also joining us from the milky way blues he can be hysterically funny but not funny looking it's yancey burns hey guys how's it going good to be here again looking forward to this and joining us from lovely Southern California, he drove to this podcast in his Herbie the Love Bug. It's Peter Paris. And I'm almost out of gas. Okay. Uh, hello, everybody. How are all of you guys doing this evening? I'm good. Good. Looking forward to the weekend. Yep. Good. 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 Glad to have you guys all here. And yeah, for those listening at home, we are going to be talking about Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. This is the extended cut, which is basically the version not connected to Grindhouse. Uh, so that version is like 90 minutes. Uh, this is the one hour and 53 minutes. the international version. cut. The international cut. It's the, yeah, it's the separated cut from the full three-hour presentation of Grindhouse. So that's the... If you plan to listen along with us, that's the version you should be watching. If you're just, you know, chilling and listening to this, then you're good. You don't have to do anything. And that's how this works. We're going to just talk over the movie. You guys will listen. We'll hopefully have interesting things to say and yeah we'll just keep it going from there you guys right so uh, if you are following along we have it currently i have it paused at six seconds in that might vary for some people it's basically when the dimension films logo is presented on screen in full so we all have it paused at the same place right now i'm going to count down from three and on the sound of go we're all going to press play and just start talking about this movie you guys ready mm-hmm. yep yeah all right three two one go Am I the only one who has not seen this version? I've only seen the Grindhouse. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I've seen this version more than the Grindhouse version. I agree, yes. Yeah, the the extension is great. It's a good scene. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, going into, like, it was funny because when I saw Grindhouse, which goes as one of my favorite um, theatrical experiences ever. I agree um, with you there, for sure. It was so much fun. I saw the big Chinese. um, And... I when I first saw the Grindhouse, I was more fond of Planet Terror, and and then it's a more visceral experience watching well, that film. Thing, I think, it, the and thing, the audience with yeah. you on that just I think really kicks into mm-hmm. gear. But it, holding up wise, as you watch them, Death Proof continually gets better easily, and and uh, Planet Terror gets stale, and it's because I think Robert, you know, Rodriguez, like made a parody film. And Tarantino made an actual film of his era. And I, I, right, right, real quick, I like this right here, the titles, where it says mm-hmm. Kurt Russell in, and then it flashes to Quentin oh, Tarantino's yeah. Thunderbolt, and then it immediately yeah. cuts to Death Proof. <laughs> that's right. that's yeah. such a so, good yeah, joke. Right. This is good. We're like, it was, always, well, yeah. it was always going to be called Death Proof, but he's like, here's a fun joke. What if we had an that's alternate great... title that got cut at the last second? That's a right. fun like, throwback moment. And a classic Tarantino gag that is going to be lost on people who don't ever watch these kind of older movies because you're not going to know what that's supposed to reference. And this has, this is a really like unique kind of movie to make it's because the kind of experience he's recreating is something you only see in like rundown theaters from the 70s, right? Like there's not mm-hmm. like it's not it's not like you can go out of your way. To, you have to like find film reel to experience something like this. You can't just like 
pick up a, a, Blu a Blu-ray from Shout Factory and be like, this is exactly how it was. Like, it has to be a very unique experience, right? Mm-hmm. I will yeah. say, actually, where I work, um, I work at MGM, and we, we do I do promos for a lot of um, our networks and stuff. And we had this one kind of, I don't, I think it's on, I think it's not airing right now, but there's there's this network we had called Impact. And Impact is a lot of, uh, kind of grindhouse or 70s 80s kind of tna type of like i mean it really has this aesthetic like a lot of times i watch them i'm like oh i'm sure tarantino has seen these movies um oh, sure. which i never seen. seen everything he owns these movies <laughs> yeah. yeah he owns prince he of these owns movies, the yeah. yeah prince as you say yeah brandon Trump. finish your story real quick i'm sorry i cut you off well i was just saying that the the two filmmakers approach to like a uh, similar time in movies like whereas rodriguez was a parody and tarantino made like an actual this could pass for i mean if the actors weren't recognizable it could almost pass for a film of that era it's done so well and you know he went off with his part of exploitation was like okay this is back in the day where this movie's like a bunch of stunt people making a movie like hey we got a car chase let's try to make a movie around it but I mean, it's, Tarant yeah. Tarantino, yeah. with his gift of yeah. dialogue makes a much more interesting movie surrounding it all i mean it comes down to like as much as i like robert Rodriguez, tarantino's just a better director oh yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He is. his study of camera work like look at these the scene right here where you have these like yeah. you have these zooms you have these tracking shots like it all just spells a guy who lives and breathes this stuff where robert Rodriguez, he's a pioneer in his own way and he's certainly like he's mm -hmm. I, i'm happy with like alita for example as far as him getting out of the sandbox finally because my main problem with robert Rodriguez, he's just like kind of been stuck in second gear for a good long time making the same kind of thing and now he's like oh james cameron's giving me a bunch of money let me try something else for a change and that's nice but at the same time he has a certain aesthetic that fits a lot of the films he's doing but it doesn't necessarily make for a an, uh, an experience that seems like it's evolving over time where with all with all that tarantino does like he certainly has a brand but i, I you can you can track an evolution in filmmaking on his part mm -hmm. at this point in his career yeah tarantino has shed any notion that he was uh not a visually uh gifted director like at this point he's making real real films not that he always wasn't but i recall early on there was some of the same criticism I mean, that still lingers with, I, uh, I can mainly see that with like reservoir dogs to pulp fiction where in as much as i it's just well, it wasn't there wasn't a lot of editing there wasn't a lot of 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 of, of that kind of thing and it's it just, visually, it just it's you're so taken aback by the fury of the dialogue coming at you and like yeah. performances feel mm -hmm. on fire where you're not really thinking about how it's so kind of static i mean he lets the camera drag a lot which is not always bad but at the same time it just it doesn't stand out as much, except when you watch some of these films like Back to Back. Even like Jackie Brown, which is my favorite Tarantino film, I look at that and I see there's a filmmaker that's seen that has a lot of concentration, a lot of intent in mind of how he's he, how he plans these shots compared to his previous film. Well, that, I mean, that shot is composed so well, and you can hold it for as long as you need to, especially because you're seeing most of us are seeing you know Sidney Poitier's daughter for the first time, mm -hmm. and it's and she's such a compelling cinema object that you, you want to see more of her in the back seat. So I think you can hold a long shot like that, especially of course as you're saying when the dialogue is so. At this point, you know his dialogue is going to be so good that you can really luxuriate in it. I, I was talking about Jackie Brown compared to Pulp Fiction, but yeah, I mean this too. Yeah, yeah I mean it's just well, had, evolution. Had he been able, he probably would. I mean, Jackie Brown probably would have looked like this. Yeah. Is this Robert Richardson? Is this when he's already working with him? No, is this that... is this is him. He's doing his own cinematography in this movie. I mean, the film. I will argue that in terms of pure sheer filmmaking, the car chase at the end of this is is the best filmmaking he's ever uh, done. Alert, 
the car chase at the end of a car chase movie that I came out 15 years ago. Um. Oh yeah, I did notice that. I did not realize he was the DP on this. Yeah, both um, him and Rodriguez. I mean, Rodriguez always shoots his own films anyway. But yeah, the part of the intent of Grindhouse was that they'll they'd shoot and cut their own movies. Oh, so he edited. edited he didn't know. Right, Mankey, Mankey, right, Mankey still. Right. I mean, he probably mm-hmm. he, you know he probably always worked closely with Sally Mankey, the departed Sally Mankey, um, as is. But I mean, yeah, she still is the credited editor on the film. Is this one is this one the bonus feature where um everybody bloopers? says hi to her. Yeah. Okay. It's funny, this shot, if we're all seeing the same shot, it reminds me so much of a shot in Reservoir Dogs, the which is a, the, the right shot. where Tim Roth is talking mm-hmm. about uh, oh, yeah. Pam Greer or whatever. It's funny, and it's not the same composition. It's not, it, he, you know, he, he's true blue, that like, Terrence, you know, he's always, you know, he's been a gift since he, since his first movie. He's been a gift to all movie lovers, you know? He, he knows what he's doing in a way where I don't think it's acknowledged enough. Where He loves of... movies, and it's not just... And that's another thing about the guy that I think I, I hope gets more airing eventually is that he doesn't just love movies like this from the 70s. He loves 30s and 40s movies he and he loves movies. everything. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. like, you know, you can't just I, I worry, I guess. And, and it's not a criticism of him at all. It's a criticism of, of, of some of the audience. I worry that some people think movies started with him and. That that just doesn't just that worries me because you're missing so much of what's pleasurable about, about these movies when you don't have reference points. You know what I mean? Like this feels like so much of this feels like Halloween. That long scene in Halloween where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Nancy Loomis is that her name are talking and yep. in the back in the back we can see the the station well, wagon casual. sort of I mean, following. Them. I mean, Halloween's yeah. a great reference point because part of this movie. We haven't even really talked about what the movie is, but it's a slasher flick. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, what, it comes yeah. down. that's what he always described as. A, even when it was in produ- pre-production, when they announced that they're going to make a, a movie that's back-to-back and it's going to have trailers and stuff, it's like, well, that sounds interesting. And his mm-hmm. his thing was always like, Robert Rodriguez is going to make a zombie movie, and Tarantino's going to make a slash movie, but the slash is going to use his car. And I'm like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> like, what, yes. like, what is that going to be? And then it's like, Kurt Russell's going to play a stuntman. I'm like what like this this sounds so intriguing to me and then it's like here's the result and yes it's a i mean there's a lot of carpenter in here among other things along with the many car chase movies you can reference there's certainly a lot of carpenter in this film interesting that that we're on this now because because uh this is 2005 right when grindhouse came out seven mm-hmm. 2007 okay yeah. sorry about that 2007 i'm usually good with movie dates but that is right about the time that people were finally starting to more in general come around on the idea that john carpenter is a great uh, you know, definitely one of the greatest B movie makers ever. I think. I think he's just a great. And I, when I was younger, when his movies were coming out, he was re- he got the worst reviews in town. You know, and it's funny because I recall having not seen Planet Terror well, or this in a long time. Yeah, that's so a great. That's Kurt Russell. Yes, that's Kurt, a very hollow. That's a that's mm-hmm. a very Halloween, Halloween moment right yeah. there too. Yeah, yep. but with yeah. dropped frames and everything too. Yep, that's a very Halloween. That's, but 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 as I recall, Planet Terror has its own debt to Carpenter. Oh yeah, and they wanted to make they wanted to make the Lost Carpenter film. That was their goal with yeah. Planet which, Terror, which which is what I like about that one. And then this one has, if you had told me ten years before that Tarantino and Kurt Russell were going to make a movie together, it would have been such a thrilling thought because. I don't want to say he was out to pasture, but a lot of the stuff Kurt Russell was doing was just like the the, the hockey movie or like, Dreamer. you know, he 
Yeah, he wasn't the guy that 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 he wasn't making those. He, yeah, he was happy you know. like resting, you know, being at home. Well, he was doing what he wanted. Yeah, do occasionally. Oh, he's fat. Love yeah. Russell. I wish him. Yeah. I, he can stop making. I, he's made so many movies. I love. He could do nothing again. Well, that was I never give... whole thing. He's like, I want to show people that Kurt Russell's a badass. Like, why he has this. He's so good in this. The mo- you mm-hmm. one of you guys posted as as a gif that that moment when he breaks the fourth wall. He just looks right into the spoiler camera. alert. Yeah, which is such a Kurt Russell slash. I mean it. I don't think there's another moment in it. Is there another moment in a Tarantino movie where somebody does that? Um, to like look directly into because breaking the fourth wall. The Eddie Murphy thing. The Eddie Murphy thing. When he looks like directly into camera, I, I have to think about it. I don't offhand. I don't. Think I so. don't think so. That's a smile at the audience. That's the, you're working at the audience. That that's. I mean, that's a. Such the closest a confident... I can think is when Brad Pitt says, "This might be my masterpiece." When he's looking straight into camera. That is the, the closest the thing. That is the closest mm-hmm. thing. You're Even absolutely then, it's, right. it's it's still within the context of the film, though. So. That is, yeah, that is, that is the closest thing. But looking right at the camera, John Landis could get away with that and did it a lot with Eddie Murphy. But a lot of times, it... I think Eddie Murphy can get away with that. I think yeah, John Landis just I don't to be think him. so. No, because Landis has Landis has done it with other other people too. He's he's. I, I, he, I'll, I'll put it this way: Eddie Murphy did best in the in his. He's like his. He did it well. He did. Those are his best movies. I think yeah. the ones he did with Landis, but but um. Maybe not Beverly Hills Cop three. <laughs> I was gonna say Beverly Hills Cop three, top yeah. of the pile. <laughs> but I, I, well, it's a different conversation. I know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> right. All right. So what are we? What are we talking about? Um, I was gonna talk about when I saw this movie because I saw Grindhouse. I was. It was. Um, it was. I guess it was technically. It wasn't spring break, but I was home. I was home from college because it was. It was both Easter weekend and Passover weekend. So I came over home for Passover. I was very sick, but I was not going to pass up seeing a new Tarantino Robert Rodriguez double feature with my friends back at home while I was there for the weekend. And I did, and I was not feeling well, but I was certainly like, I'm still enjoying this, and that that that's how I saw this movie the first time. Um, then months later, they came out separately, and I was like, "What? There's not a Grindhouse thing." And then I waited years, and finally came out on Blu-ray to get the whole Grindhouse experience once again. I was begging that I, I did work with Weinstein's home video uh-huh. um, thing, and so yeah, my uh, I begged. They were like just not interested. They're like, "This failed. We gotta milk it by trying to make double money off these because we have two movies." So that's what they're they were trying to do. But um, my only. My only in-life contact with Quentin Tarantino was getting his... He was really involved with his home video stuff, but was uh, working with his constant back-and-forth notes on the DVD release of this, which was interesting. It was had to do with the subtitles, right? Uh, no, it was subtitles. He was, he was obsessed with the menu highlights. Like We went through oh, like the menu highlights. Eight, okay. eight editions, and then he couldn't decide whether he wanted the, the special features to be 4x3 letterbox or 16.9. Hmm. Which we're like, that doesn't matter. I but. I held out buying Kill Bill forever because I'm like, sure enough, he's going to release the whole bloody affair, so I'll just wait. And I waited and waited, and it never happened, so I eventually bought them when it came on Blu-ray. And then when Grindhouse sure. came out, you're like, oh, well, we the bloody affair next, and now we now we learn he just talks. Yeah. Although I did yeah, get to boy. see the whole bloody affair in the New Beverly, so I mean, I've, I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> I wish I wish I'd seen that. I've never seen the whole the whole bloody affair. And, and you said it's just them stacked on each other, right? Yeah, Pretty I mean, much. there's some if you, there's some edits here and there that are like different if you've like seen the movies enough, which I have, uh, especially part two, uh, and like the the um, the whole crazy eighty eight fight that's in color as opposed to black and white. But I mean, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it's yeah, it's just there's a movie, there's intermission, then there's the other movie. <laughs> like, gotcha. And, um, when Tarantino says that, so uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, the posters say it's his ninth film. 
is Kill Bill considered one film? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so and is he, this. And is he counting uh, this? Is yeah, this, this, count, this yeah. counts as a, one of his films, but yes, he counts Kill so Bill not, as... He's, he's not counting four rooms, right? No, I mean, no well, that's a segment of movies. Nor should he. No, um... But well, okay. he's, not, he's not counting alias either, so I mean... <laughs> or, or, ER. or CSI. <laughs> or ER. Yeah. ER. Um, but, uh, okay, yeah, I was just wondering. You know, it's it's interesting. I was just thinking about when I, I saw this. I got to say, like, um, you know, I'm from Chicago, and so, yeah, this was 2007, so I had been in L.A. for about seven years, and um, this, I went to, a, I specifically waited to, it was opening weekend, and I went to, like, a midnight show in Burbank, and it was like packed. And it's so weird that this movie ended up being, you know, that the, the grindhouse thing was kind of a flop or I mean a flop or whatever, because like the crowd I saw it with opening weekend at midnight, it was like one of the best midnight Los Angeles movie experiences I've well, ever yeah. had. I mean, like, the you're, movie you're just, did well in Los Angeles. Yeah, you're describing the exact audience that's going yeah. to go up this movie, <laughs> the indie audience that's going to see a three hour midnight movie at midnight in L.A. Like, you know, what? <laughs> Uh, some people blame the ads as far as being not clear because I I've heard like people were like walking out after the first movie. I feel like the advertising did exactly what it said it was going to do. It's like we're seeing you know these guys back to back and there's two movies and it advertised like who would walk out thinking like well I guess that Kurt Russell movie wasn't there like what I don't know. It's uh, just well, the, of course somebody's gonna walk of course. At the <laughs> back, but I mean yeah I mean it's it is still a weird sell. It's something you don't see often as far as and it's you know it's a three hour this movie that came out on Easter it's, weekend. You know like, what, I get that it, yeah. it's not going to be like the biggest show in town today. It might be bigger. Maybe. Was, no, I, I mean, don't think so. It was, ter- it was, you know, it was, it's the one case of Tarantino's having sort of a bridge too far. This, this movie is a bridge too far into that world of, of, of Tarantino and, and also Rodriguez for people to follow the, the concept. It's a genre movie. So yeah. That, well, no, I think, I think this was, well, I think this was one of the great, you know, this was as enjoyable in its way as, uh, it's not as good as Pulp Fiction, but it felt as consistently exhilarating to me, a, a movie experience, as much of a feast as Pulp Fiction felt. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't quite fathom why this was not more of a success. Other than that, it, you know, like I said, oh, some people whatever. only go back to Tarantino and not any further. If you've never actually seen like a genuine B movie and have no, most people think a B movie is a movie that that's, that's B quality wise. They don't yeah. realize anymore that it's B budget wise or it was the B feature. You know, they don't think of it that way. They think B movie means like, eh, it's not very good. That's not what it means. But if you've never seen a movie that has a lot of filler, let's say like an old Godzilla movie, then that concept because of Tarantino, I mean, Tarantino was the guy who invented the idea of movies that are all the good stuff from the beginning to the end. There's not a single, like everything is pleasurable. Everything is great. There's nothing. There's no scene that's there just for, cause it has to be there. That's, Every line is good. This is more like the movies before then when, when you, you sort of, it was the deal that you would sit through like slasher movies from the eighties. You would sit through a lot of pretty boring material to get to the quote unquote good stuff. But that concept is lost if you've never seen a movie made from before well, Tarantino's era. I had a friend that pointed out too, like you know, it's you know, when you're in like Los Angeles, you're you're a city of movie people, but like you spread across the way, you're advertising, hey, look, we made um, intentionally bad movies, so come see them. These bad movies, there's two of them for three <laughs> hours, so you know, like 
Right, but the, the idea because the idea is that people don't right the idea that these kind of movies could be good is 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 not understood. That's true. Yes, yes. It's, yeah. it's interesting. It's that you not mentioned. bad. It's it's it's, it's, it's cheesy. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned a movie like old Godzilla movies that have a lot of like filler to get to like quote unquote the good stuff. And given that I've been watching a lot of Godzilla movies, I basically. knew I was going to trip that wire. With no, you. but you did. <laughs> but but, but because because I look because I look at this movie and I think yeah the the good stuff is quote unquote the you know the car chases and the violence stuff. in this movie. Except it's all good let stuff. Me, it's let me finish. Let me finish. If that's what you're going to say, I already finished it for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was an asshole thing to say. Go ahead. I apologize. It's fine, whatever. Here's cell phones. It's like the one piece of technology we get in this movie. <laughs> I, we we met, we were talking over, but I I love I the dude dancing with her kills me. Where he's just kind of like behind her, like uh huh, yep. Just dancing. There's a lot like the dudes in this movie featuring Tarantino's yep. favorite actor Eli Roth. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's like what his what? favorite actor Eli Roth? <laughs> well, because he's like this is his. First, he's the bear Jew, right? He, this is his yeah. first Next of a few movie, yeah. roles in his movies. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's got this. He's got the bear Jew. I just watched Inglorious Bastards the other day, which is to me perfect. But his, you can see the arguments against him. He's like he's going really big with his Boston accent. It's like yeah, he like they know they're doing this. Like it's not they're not dumb. They didn't watch the dailies. And be like mm-hmm. I nailed it. Like there, there's a very purposefulness to like what's going on in those scenes, which is part of what I think it's works so well about something like *Inglorious Bastards*. It's merging so many different genres, styles, and filmmaking techniques to make this kind of war epic slash exploitation film slash comedy slash war drama, like it slash romance to a weird extent slash thriller. Like it's that's a lot of his movies in general, as far as how he merges genres, it combines all of the different things that he can do to celebrate his love for film and make something unique at the same time, which is no different here. I mean, we're watching what's ostensibly a slasher movie. But it also has this like random uh, kind of melodrama going on between the various girls and their their like boyfriends or guys that they're dealing with or what have you before they even get to Kurt Russell, who has not been introduced yet. I can't I, I can't think of another movie that's got such a good evocation of what it's like to spend a long time in a bar. Like the first thirty minutes of this movie, it's almost like his version of those the, the way the Deer Hunter and, and Heaven's Gate open those Michael Cimino movies where there's these forty five yeah. minute wedding yeah. scenes. Like th- I remember thinking the first time I saw this, wow, this really is what it feels like to kind of hang out in a bar. You go outside, you come back in, you go outside, you have another beer. I mean, Tarantino always talks about this thing he calls a hangout movie. I think this is what he's talking about, where you, you could really just watch these people and Kurt Russell could never come along. And it wouldn't I be guess Link later comes to mind then when I think of it, like something like sure. Days, Days of Confused. For sure, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm trying. I was trying to think of other bar movies. I mean, like swingers. But like, know, like this, trying, like yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm trying to. It's I can't so languorous. Of... It's so languorous. Mm-hmm. Like it's like he's confident enough at this point in his career that he knows just hanging out with his people in a bar is going to be fun. And then that's what slowly I was trying to get to earlier as far as it's not just, yes, the filler stuff is good. That's what he's doing here. But it's also the fact that there's so many people that didn't respond to it that way. And I think if since also, you know, the one that his critics, the ones that don't kind don't seem to like appreciate his post kill bill career in the same way they they appreciated the ones beforehand. It seems like a lot of the complaints are there's too much dialogue and it's too like too, too much sitting around where it's like, how good is all this though? Like, what's the argument? I know. Again? Right. Sitting around what's... is only a problem if it's boring. If it's not boring, it's not then boring. Shut the fuck up. Like, you know, this is great. <laughs> He's so good at this. I mean, stuff, I can, I know? get it to an extent as far as if you don't like the dialogue, you don't like the dot, or you just, it's not your speed. It's not your speed. But to make that a constant complaint where it's like, 
I mean, you know what this guy's good at, and in addition to writing. Well, I mean, let's he, be honest. The hot take here is is probably that the reason everyone compl- so many people complain about this movie having so much dialogue is because a lot of it is dialogue between women, which the audience for this movie is maybe not interested in as much i always thought that and you, you got to tell me you must have agreed at some point that oh, when no, they I talk mean, about yeah, that's that's an it's an easy way to look at it as far as yeah the obvious answer is probably yes, true just... though i mean why else would this get singled out and i kind of hate that he backed it up and said yeah it is my we- weakest movie i don't think it's anywhere near his weakest movie I, but I when he says that especially because he talks so much and you can he sure does you have, you have to like you know <laughs> apply you have to apply a csi scanner to this just to analyze what he's saying a lot of the times but what i think he says his weakest movie is just i think it's he means that more as yeah i just wanted to make a movie with my friend and something and like he's incapable of doing something terrible so it's so it would seem and so it's from my perspective so like yeah this is less personal to him than every other movie he's made that's what i think he it means. doesn't feel like, less personal to me because at all. he's like he knows what he's doing like he's not you know it's not he doesn't do something half-assed it's like I tom, have this it's like it's like tom cruise that we talk about a lot that's as far true. as well he's yeah, also he can make something that's stupid. not as it's not as high of quality but it's not like he walked in and was like i'm gonna do a bad job on purpose like yeah he's gonna do the that's homework where and the movie he's he like that's where he is like this guy is like stanley kubrick is, is that he can't to my eyes waste even a minute of movie time like everything every moment of every movie is worth seeing well, when it's you, almost when it's when un- you talk about kubrick what do you what, what do you place at the bottom of the list I'm the guessing weakest... Spartacus has to be close to that, right? No yeah. way. The weakest Kubrick movie is... Uh, I, well, I mean, I guess Killer's Kiss doesn't count. I like Killer's Kiss, but like mm. it's, it's... I usually you know, have Spartacus and Lolita hanging around the bottom. That's usually... It, it, it's, it, it, right, but... I mentioned, I, this... I mentioned Spartacus because it feels like that's him like, going big budget, big studio. Well, he was, I am not, I'm not well, so When I'm saying no, bottom no, of the dude. list, I'm not saying that you hate it. I'm just saying if you're like, oh, looking Anthony at your Mann list. Oh, shot like one day on that. I mean, right. like, But I'm saying that probably that movie probably felt less personal to him than the uh, most of the other movies he made. Am I wrong but about I can't, that? I, I, what I can't accept is, okay, here's the thing, and I want to get this out before I forget. My main thing I wanted to say about well, this let movie. Me, before yeah. you say that, let me say, Kurt Russell annihilating those nachos is one oh, of the great shots in cinema. Oh, it's okay, amazing. This, I, I want always, those nachos. Where oh, that's what I mean. I guarantee you, at some point in the next week, I'll be sitting somewhere eating nachos. I won't even know that that's why I'm doing it. But it's because every time I see this scene, yep. it looks so good that I'm inevitably going to, like, Baja Fresh, trying to replicate somehow the experience of... You know, um, okay, let me just get it quickly. I, I, I'm not, it's going to, sometimes I must come off like a contrarian. I, I'm really not a contrarian. On most movies, I'm sure I agree with almost everybody. I know, I don't, I take I, no. I'm going to pause you once again to say that the fact that Eli Roth and his friend, I think it's Omar Dupe, the fact that they are making fun of Kurt Russell and they don't die in this movie is one of the great crimes of cinema. Keep going. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, okay, yeah, it's a good point. I think that, um, I have this theory that, that, Point A is that I I don't know – definitely the last six or seven years, Tarantino has started to make what passes for closer to Oscar bait. He started to make movies that – I still love them, but they started to feel a little bit more like he knows they're going to be up for end of the awards. So they're two hours and 45 minutes. I mean the version of Django Unchained that, that would have been made in 1976 would have been 100 minutes. You know, So there's – so that's my point number one is that I, is that I think – even though they're wonderful and I wouldn't change a thing, he's, he's definitely taken on some bloat. I don't care about bloat. Mo- more importantly, I think that for filmmakers like this, there's often a movie that only they could have made and no one else could have made for like great filmmakers. 
and, and they may have other films that are as good or better, but only they could have made this one. I kind of would say like E.T. with Spielberg. I can't deny the Schindler's List and Lincoln are great, but I don't think anyone else would have ever come along and made E.T. And I think that's the one movie you should show someone if you want them to understand who Spielberg is. I think for Tarantino, it's Pulp Fiction. But I honestly would say this would be my choice for the second. I think this is, if he really was just a B filmmaker and it wasn't an era of where the era that it is, if he really was one of the guys he, he was emulating, this is one of the best of those movies ever. Like this is really is one of the best B movies you'll ever see. And it's legitimately a B movie. And I just think it's hugely underrated and I, I rank it really highly in his film filmography. And, and I'm not just, I'm not just trying to, cause I know everyone says it's the weakest one. I, I really don't think it is. I think, I, I honestly think there are three or four that I, four or five that I, that, that I clearly uh, have less affection for. I really, I really love this movie. We're talking about Tarantino and on for the podcast. I mean, I, I, I love them all. I, I generally tend to go over Tarantino films when a new one comes out, mainly because yeah. I just, I, whatever it is, he's one of the filmmakers that just stands out as far as there's nothing bad that he's done in my eyes. There are movies that are less accomplished to some degree for various reasons than, than others, but I've, I've yet to see a bad Tarantino movie and I've yet to see a, a non great Tarantino movie. So it's like, it's hard for me to sometimes kind of delve into the separations, the criticisms or what have you, just because I have so much admiration for what he seems to be putting out there in such a unique and fresh way every time at bat. Uh, so it is interesting to come across this, to come into this film for a commentary, which is part of why we chose it, because yes, it is generally looked at as one of his like lesser movies. Um, I, yes, I do think it's pretty great, uh, but I, I do also rank it pretty low. Weirdly, uh, I, st- I, not that I've like turned on it, but Reservoir Dogs is one that I put a lot lower than I imagine most mm-hmm. people do. Most, most people, you know, there's a lot of people that just put it number one or number two. Um, a lot of that comes from just my own growth as a person, where I look at Tarantino, I think something like Django Unchained, where he has characters saying the N-word a bunch, it feels more informed by what he's trying to say, what message is coming out of that movie, what he's really hitting at, which, watching it this week again, it's it's easy to see how much anger he's putting out there and trying to say something, where Reservoir Dogs, the word comes up a lot, and there's no, it doesn't feel like there's much rhyme or reason to it beyond these are supposed to be anti-heroes, so how can I best explain that? And it feels... because Scorsese movies talk like that, so they do, I, and, yeah, yeah. and I I don't disagree, and I have my own you know faults with those, not necessarily faults, but more of I'm seeing this to an extent of where it's coming from, and it's hard to kind of reconcile it in my mind as how necessary it might be, and that that's always been the most awkward, I think. It's it's uh, it's uh, become so more and more and more as I you know seen it over the years. I'm like. Well, just in general, I think the only moments where he's where, where Tarantino has done stuff where you want to cringe a little bit are are those kind of things uh, relating directly to, to, to black experience or, or sort of presuming that he has a, a, a might as well be black sort of voice. Yeah, I, I and think it's, so, it's the kind of thing where, I mean, it's a deeper discussion, uh, but. I think that's why the, the amount of, of reading and listening to him that I've done and you know, my own identity, it's just like, I can see where he's coming from enough to justify it to a point. <laughs> and that's, mm-hmm. and I, and I it, mean, those guys would talk like that in Reservoir Dogs for sure. I mean, like you, you buy that, you know, like, I, I buy that. And it's just, but it's still like watching it now. It's just like, this isn't as easy. It's not as fun as it used to be to watch Reservoir Dogs. 
I love Reservoir Dogs. I saw that also within the last month. I could so quote the whole damn movie. Theory. Like it's not. Yeah, fun. I could certainly time, quote the whole like movie. Watching it, especially watching like the the flashback scenes, watching like Mister Blonde and Nice Guy Eddie and what Tierney, like mm-hmm. d- you know. Oh, like, that's talk, a great scene. <laughs> talking in, yeah, but they're like talking in their office and just that the casualness, or even like what Buscemi yeah. and them in the car. There's just like. Buscemi okay. has a hard time with that stuff. I always feel like he, oh, he clearly do, does. Oh, no, he doesn't want to even say it. No, there's know? a like, struggle, and I can, you know, there's some, there's acting stuff. But that you really know what? That that, that 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 that's one thing. You're certainly making a point that 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 that, that those there are unsteady moments in there. But I would argue that, and I think I was talking to Pete about this or someone recently that. Django Unchained, you know, is basically 45 minutes longer than it needs to be because it has a character it doesn't need, which is Christoph Waltz, who is there just to be another, just to again be in it. He's the great, greatest deliverer of the kind of dialogue Tarantino was writing right then, that he obviously wrote him another role so he'd win another Oscar, which he did. I don't think that that character is is necessary in that movie and and i, I whereas I would, with i would disagree i do think i mean it's pleasurable whole, everything whole, he does is great there, but but i, I but think there's like, a big service he does as far as what that movie's trying to say about kind of performance acting deception and what have. there's a lot of things there that's a different layer that's it just shouldn't be 240 that movie it shouldn't be two hours and 45 minutes or whatever it, i feel honestly, like that it could be longer <laughs> of course that it, it flies by of yeah. course it of course it does of course it does but i'm just i i just i just i think that there are pros and cons. Reservoir Dogs is tight as a drum. Now he can make three-hour movies, you know, three-hour movies about revenge or whatever. And it's and and, and you know there are among see like you're saying though you can only he can only really fight himself when you're talking about Tarantino. You can't really compare his movies to anyone else's. So when we're talking about the relative merits, yes. We're basically talking about someone who we like all their movies. We've been uh, talking know. a lot around things for a while, and I've been trying to spot it here. There are little Kurt Russell things. We should talk about this movie a little bit more since we're like 30 minutes in at this point, and like the main plot is in thrust now. We're going to uh, be resetting yeah. our cast soon. So, yeah. yeah. We, That's uh, right. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, so we have Kurt Russell here. He's playing a stuntman, stuntman Mike, the brother of stuntman Ma- Bob. Stuntman Mike. <laughs> He's a stuntman. Um, we talked about this already. Like Kurt Russell, at this point, yes, he wasn't. He's just kind of like he's chilling. Like he's doing roles occasionally. Dark Blue is actually a pretty good role for him. Yeah. Well. I think the movie he's great in Vanilla as, like, Sky. Too. He is great in Vanilla Sky. Yeah, yeah, I love him in Vanilla Sky. Yeah. Brandon, what are you saying? I, I said this movie was like touted as like uh, like supposedly like some big comeback for him too when it was coming out. Like well, when Tarantino pre- comes up with a movie, that, he tends to. Act well, like, oh, he's gonna it's, he's gonna Travolta. It's because it's Travolta or Pam Greer. Or yeah, Forrester like, or David Carradine, like he's done it multiple times. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. That like Kurt yeah, Russell yeah. had that, that hype behind him, and then this movie tanked, and that was. Yeah, but I, at right. the same time, Kurt Russell started making more movies again. Right, <laughs> like, right. He started popping up in more. Stuff. Well, just like uh, John Carradine. I mean, well, Carradine was getting roles instead of just not being in movies. But well, he. he I mean, David maybe Carradine, my perception is wrong, but I don't know how big a. I guess he was a pretty big star in the seventies, David Carradine. David, yeah, oh Kung yeah, Fu. yeah, yeah. He's King yeah, Kung Fu. Was huge. You know? yeah. <laughs> I know, but like, I feel like his performance in Kill Bill is by far well. 
he played Woody Guthrie and he was great in Bound for Glory, but I feel like otherwise, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah not... he's so good at Kill Bill, you know, like, although no, I like, really the, the, difference, lo- the difference there is like, yeah, David Carradine has some movies back in the day that are like, yeah, they're pretty good. The other, like someone like Travolta or, or Forrest or Pam Greer, they do have like legit great films from before yeah. they got resurrected by Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you though, I would really, really give something to see the uh, Warren Beatty version of Kill Bill. That would yeah. add such oh, yeah. subtext, you know, no. man. Uh, I think it's just two, two, two egos. That, I don't think those two guys could possibly have ended well, up working together. To think about all the people that he hasn't worked with, but certainly pursued. Uh, now, watching Django the other day, I was like, what would Will Smith be like in this movie? And it's like, I, I can see them clashing a lot over, like, things yeah. you'd have to say. Who was Tom Cruise? Because I heard he wanted Tom Cruise for Once Upon a Time. Who would he have been? Probably DiCaprio's part. Yeah. Or maybe he'd have been Pit part because he would have put in the kind of a meta thing about him liking to do stunts. No, but well, oh, that's, that's one way. But I think the they think the old the aging action star thing. I think that's why it'd be mm. DiCaprio. Interesting. But it'd be a nice interview with the Vampire Reunion, that's for sure. Well, that is true. Um, um, before we had Kurt Russell, there was John Travolta, uh, Willem Dafoe, John Malkovich, Ricky Rourke, Ron Perlman, Bruce Willis, and Sylvester Stallone were all uh, considered for stuntman Mike. Interesting. You know, that's weird. I, I mean, I think Russell is fantastic in this. I, interesting because I've, I've, uh, I've been on a Stallone kick lately as I've been watching uh, for work the Rocky movies and stuff. But you know, it's weird, and I haven't seen Rambo in a while. But I don't, don't know if Stallone really does dark or villainous well. And you kind of, the closest I'm trying to think. It's like Death Race. Well, what else? <laughs> it's just like he doesn't really do that i mean so it's kind of a weird like i don't know if that would have worked or or maybe it would have been a different role maybe tarantino would have changed the character i could see i could easily see bruce willis doing this like oh yeah it'd be, it'd be different but, all, I mean, all of those really are easy, easy i can see any of them probably except stallone as far as channeling some sort of darkness regardless of how effective it is i can just see the characters doing it mainly because mm-hmm. they've all played heavies in movies where stallone is generally a hero again i can't it, besides death race 2000 is there any other villainous Stallone movie. Uh, oh, uh, Spy Kids 3D. There you oh, go. Yeah, you got a point. Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, nailed, you nailed me. <laughs> Take that, New Earth. And even then, every villain in Spy Kids, part of the thing is that they're redeemed by the end. <laughs> a chilling portrait of villainy. That you was. know what? I was wrong with Kurt Russell. He didn't actually cut, like, he start, he's still making movies, but it was really Furious 7 where he started being in a mm-hmm. bunch of, he was Furious 7, Bone Tomahawk, Hateful Eight, Deepwater Horizon, Fate of Furious guardians like it, his comeback certainly you know it took a few years but but those few years like he was on this kick of ah, i just do a movie if i really want to even then though like i'm like cutlass touchback the art of the steel that's the only one i've seen of these as far as like something mm-hmm. or at least before that poseidon dreamer sky high miracle like those are movies yeah. that, you know hit theaters <laughs> i know he was in the running for uh commissioner gordon for batman begins yeah he was yeah he oh, he and i was like oh that'd have been great but then gary oldman came in and was like well i love this, <laughs> like, this yes Covering but i would have loved anybody because, because because gordon's my favorite batman character outside of batman <laughs> so yeah all of this stuff we're talking over is is kurt russell like trying to basically seduce his way into like the group of friends here. And it's like, yeah, Kurt, like I look at this list of other actors, like, can you imagine John Malkovich trying to woo his way through like a bunch of like 30 <laughs> yeah. young, like, women? Good Lord. <laughs> it would be so creepy. So like almost. Have you watch. seen my car? 
Well, it's funny. I, I saw some old footage of uh, Arnold, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing it. He's in he's on commando and talking about being typecast. And he said something about, oh, that's you know, it's fine. The, the, you wouldn't get Dustin Hoffman for we, this kind of role. And we we're watching like, the fine. CNN, the movies thing. Oh, I do want to watch those. Yes, oh, I that, am. Because that, that's what that clip's in there. That's what I, was, I thought you were watching. Oh, no, no. I saw, uh, no, it was something else. I, it was, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a special, it's a common interview. It's just they put that clip into that thing as far as him talking about, you know, you wouldn't have Dustin Hoffman be my, my, you know, playing my roles, Rambo, and you wouldn't have me play. And then, but then Arnold goes on and like does multiple comedies and dramas. So it's like, well, and Dustin Hoffman was an outbreak. Don't forget. Wait, so yeah, me... the action movie of the year, Outbreak, of course. We always remember his stunts. So, me, uh, <laughs> jumping on a boat. I wanted to bring this up, sort of circling back, because, um, you know, when we do these commentaries where we, unfortunately, you know, we obviously have to have sound off, so I'm not getting to hear, you know, I can look at the subtitles, but I can't really um, mm-hmm. hear all I'm that sorry that you're not a great multitasker, Peter. I don't right, exactly. <laughs> but um, I will say that, like, because of that, I'm, I'm really aware, because I haven't seen this in a while, of, like, how much Tarantino is really trying to get the aesthetic of these kind of movies. Uh-huh. Some of it is like, you know, like adding the fake film lines and stuff like that. You know what I was just thinking? It's still the camera moves. Like you're still doing that. Well, yeah. Yeah. And the camera moves. there is such a dedication to trying to recreate something in a weird way. Would you guys think this is going to sound, this might sound out there, but would you think that in a strange way, this is Tarantino's version of when Van Sant did psycho? And and of course, I think he likes that better than the Hitchcock Psycho. If I'm I mean, right, that's yeah. one of those things where he says stuff, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, if he had 20 more minutes, he could probably say, "No, I don't actually think that. This is what I was trying to say." But it's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but, you got, but, but I mean, but there right, is a... exactly. I agree with you, Aaron. Thank you. I like that movie too. I think he's got a point. Oh, I do like better yeah. than the original. <laughs> that's that's um, but, but do you do you see what I mean though? Do you think that like, and I'm sure there are other examples. I, I could. I I would say it's. I mean. The the intentions of something like Van Sant and Tarantino when attacking that film and something like this, there's probably, you know, you can probably cross some streams there as far as what they're trying to go for. It's just they're directors that are obviously, of you know, they have different ways of doing things. So, yeah, I, I don't think you're far off as far as what kind of state of mind somebody's in when they're like, I'm going to make this movie that pays a lot of attention to this other movie or these kinds of movies. Oh, wait, so is this the lap dance scene that I've never seen before? Set to the coasters down in Mexico. Which was great, because in the movie, it is kind of funny, because it doesn't just say, like, scene taken out or deleted. Every time there's something sexual in the Grindhouse one, it, like, cuts, it's it's missing, because back in the day, like, film, uh, the film projector guys used to cut those things out just to keep for their own. Yeah. Wow. That was the gag because that there's a cut, there's a sex scene that still doesn't exist in the first movie, right? Yeah, yeah. very yeah. deliberate where the film pretends like the film burns out. Yeah, where this this is just like it goes scene missing, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious in the grindhouse mm-hmm. cut. I've never yeah. like I don't tend to stack these against each other as far as the grindhouse cut versus this mainly because I just honestly I haven't watched. It's hard to be like let me sit down and, and watch all three hours of grindhouse. Right well, now. this this movie's <laughs> much better in this this uh, format too. Well, like, the characters, it, especially in the second yeah. half, the characters get fleshed out more. Like, yeah. you, you learn more, but, like, there's a reason, you know, you already care as far as, I don't want to see, you know, people get murdered, but, like, it does fill things out as far as, the, I mean, there's just more good dialogue. I mean, there's so much right. dialogue in this movie, and it's, like, it's not bad. <laughs> like, so. oh, no, we should, admit, like, Rose McGowan, she's the star of... 
both planet Terror, and she's in this one too. And they were like trying to do a nod to like how if you went to like a double feature in a drive-in or something, you'd see some actress from the other movie, like would be in both movies, and they were trying to do something with that. That's great. Yeah, I like that. As far as the, I mean, stacking the movies against each other, but the thing was. Yeah, they they run about the same, but I do find it interesting how much Tarantino is able to cut out of this. I mean, it's a good exercise in how editing works because you look mm-hmm. at this movie and you think, "Wow, yeah, he could take so much out of it, and it still like works. It still, you know, it still functions as a narrative that you can get behind and like see the, you know, what how it ticks." And then you look at this, and it, you know, you see the scenes back in. It's like, okay, like yeah, there's elements that can you know be superior as far as like yeah you're learning more about the characters in some ways or what have you or there's just a different choice made here or there uh, you don't you don't you don't get that opportunity often to look at how directors work and this is like you can mm-hmm. kind of a cheat to do it because you have two different cuts i mean that, that comes with the territory i guess when you get like the director's cuts of various movies or what have you but this is like a weird unique experience because it's like he purposely did it this way knowing that there's a version that's what he's you know what the movie is Oh, I totally. I forgot. don't think that so scene could have existed in the Malkovich version. I certainly <laughs> hope not. That I would have been running at the screen with a straight razor if I. Had but but then again, again here's the thing: like Tar- Tarantino, a lot of people use these same actors and for the same reasons and want them to do the same stuff. But Tarantino has like a fundamental understanding of like the roles they played, the actor themselves, and what they're capable of, and seems to get what he wanted out of them, where other people don't quite hit that beat like he like knows how to use like pam greer he knows how to use kurt russell and they well, seem he's to a great actor with him as I mean, well that's, well that's, yeah that's a big part of it yeah he's... true but like a lot of people try to utilize these people in similar fashions and it just doesn't i mean they're good on their own but it doesn't work as you know near as well and, it, and it's funny where like on the behind the scenes with this movie all you hear is Kurt Russell and Eli Roth just talking like they were, they don't call Kurt Russell Kurt Russell they call him Snake Plissken mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> most of the time yes and you'd think Kurt Russell would be like mother but the, you know Tarantino's probably so like smart enough as a filmmaker and good enough as a director that it doesn't bother him but I could see another director geeking out and referring to him that way it also um, i mean yeah there's certainly you know if you if you are familiar enough with somebody you understand the attitude you can get away or you know you yeah. can just it becomes a the, it's the not courtesy, a Kevin the courtesy Smith, is not Bruce necessary Willis situation can, yeah it, yeah for sure um it's what you mentioned you know act you know the actors that come familiar or what have you or how they're utilized elsewhere i saw like a clip of me myself and irene the other day which has robert forrester in it he plays like mm-hmm. jim carrey's police captain or what have you uh and it's like yeah, there's no reason for him to be in this movie beyond like, hey, we cast somebody, but it's like, well, he's Robert Forrester. And like in the three scenes he has, like, he's delivering dialogue like a good Robert Forrester character. It's just yeah. funny how that works. I don't I don't know what he the was hot brother... coming off Jackie Brown in that Oscar nom. Exactly. But I, but it's like, you know, I, I don't know how the Fairley brothers got on with Robert Forrester. I probably they probably weren't calling him like, you know, hey, medium cool. Get over here. But at the same time, it's right. like, all right, <laughs> like, it's, you're, do, you're doing your job. This car looks terrifying. Just the yeah. seat, like, that. <laughs> it's like yes. the, the enthusiasm she has about getting in this car. And it's not even, it's kind of like nervous enthusiasm, but it's like, no, I am not going. <laughs> it's like, that is... wait, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good line right there, though, when she's like, you didn't mention that the car didn't have a passenger. He's like, well, look, I didn't offer to give you a ride. You just no, act- Everything Kurt Russell does is so, like, precise as right. far as his yeah. justifications. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I'll tell you what, like, back to, like, while we're talking about actually, Rose McGowan, like, a criminally... Here comes the shot. Hold on, hold on. Here comes the oh, shot. Oh, yeah, here it yeah. is. Here it is. <laughs> He's looking at the car going off. Perfect. Turn the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Love it. I love that. No, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like Rose McGowan, she's like criminally under you. Like for all the like directors wanting quippy, snappy dialogue and stuff, she delivers it so well. Uh, in most movies she's in, but she's never utilized to like. I mean, I mean, it's not like she wasn't doing movies, but just like never working with bigger. I don't know what to say, directors or whatever. But like, you think she'd be like a get for like any any kind of big picture, but she just kind of has this and uh i don't know scream I'm, yeah i'm trying to it's like like, like yeah, mid mid late 90s to now is like the mm-hmm. peak period of her being in films which are i think well, mostly i think we Weinstein. know what's going on there now i think we know that story yeah i'm trying well, to, i mean I'm now, to, now I'm we know to, sto- yeah now yeah, we know i mean with being involved but... in miramax so much there's probably a weinstein problem that's why there's right. limiting as far as that, you know what kind of well yeah with her for sure yeah that extends to you know blackballing from other studios stuff like that probably yeah. but it's just it's a shame because she i mean really gels well with that stuff like she's a fun she gets pres- genre films that's that's yeah, that's, yeah. i mean that, that's why she works in scream i haven't seen phantoms in years but she probably works as a comic foil in phantoms oh i guess she was on like charmed for years so that was probably taking oh, a lot of that, yeah. as well no, that, yeah she had a tv show that, that <laughs> was like well, that was on like, like eight years so <laughs> i guess well she's already bleeding <laughs> What ha- where did she get? Are you watching the movie? <laughs> I am watching the. Well, because she's been she's been d- driving the car. Around Have you seen the interior of that car? Like I, it's like, not well, soft. He's shaking well, no, her around. True. Yeah. That... It's it's very sad. I mean, the movie has been you know pretty as you've been saying, Nancy. It's been a hangout you know for every now until we get out of this bar, and now Kurt Russell's like being all sinister and recklessly yeah. driving on purpose to like kill a person. And this is 45 minutes before a movie capitalizes on this. Like, there's no opening kill. There's no, I mean, it is taking its time. Oh, here it is when his car is death proof. Which is, of course, not what a B movie would really do. You have to have a killing in the first five minutes. You have to do every 10 minutes. Yeah. Instead, they they have a couple creepy shots of his car. At the same time, like, I just watched Mothra today. And it's an hour and a half, and it's not 45 minutes until you get to something resembling monster action in that movie. I mean, it's... Some yeah, movies... Mothra is a bit of a chore. I mean, but I, there's a lot of movies that are probably not ones that are regarded as classics that are probably a bit of a chore. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh, right. I'm curious. As... I've never seen Mothra. Really? It's a drag? I was wondering... I don't think it's... A... I like Mothra. I think this stuff is good. It. I think it's well-filmed also as far as Hondo coming off of a Godzilla and a few other things before he got back to kaiju movies. Mm. It's colorful. You know it's what? shot. <laughs> I totally forgot that there's a second half of this movie. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I knew there was a second half of this movie. What I was thinking was that the second half of the movie was with our main crew, and then I was like, well, no, that's true, true, because Zoe Bell's not there, and I was like, oh, he's, they're all gonna get killed in a second. Yeah. Yep. I forgot about that. Yeah, the movie gives you oh, a nice comfort zone as far as like, relating you to all these characters. They have all their personal drama, and you like something's gonna work out maybe for one of them, and what have you. And they're gonna go, and it's like, nope, all of them are dead. Like, yeah. It's it's, it's pretty brutal. much death proof and death proof two yeah. put together. <laughs> Wait, did it? So they're, yeah, they're all gonna die. Yeah, all of them are gonna die. Yeah. We're gonna see. Oh, yeah. We're gonna see the car crash five With different times. Instant so replay. See how they die. 
which is pretty brilliant as far as the, oh, yeah. the way it's like, well, we got these K and B effects and Greg Nicotero might as well show them off from every angle. <laughs> and it's so deliberate, like what it shows you how they die. Like, cause you, you have like, um, what's her name? Sydney Poitier's daughter named Sydney Poitier. Um, it's like the, the emphasis has been on like her leg for a good portion yeah, of the movie. True. What's, yeah. what's she going to lose her leg? What's going on with the rest of them? Like their face is going to plant somewhere. It's just, it's brutal. And it's, the movie's not dumb as far as how it's set up each of these characters demise in some way. And this movie is the inadvertent prequel to uh planet terror. Not inadvertent, but yeah, it's, a prequel it's because set, there's a mention of Planet Terror, Jungle Julia. There's a like a radio. It's like this one goes out to Jungle Julia. We really miss you, girl. And you get cameos from Marley Shelton's right. Doctor Dakota She's Block. Already, and, yeah, yeah. And, and Michael Parks. And Michael yeah. Parks. Michael Parks. Yeah. And since this is set in the From Dust Till Dawn universe, this play, this movie takes place, and Planet Terror takes place before Dust Till Dawn. So Dust Till Dawn is set after the zombie apocalypse. Right. Well, I was gonna say, like, does he? Before the MCU was was in movies, anyways, because they mentioned Big Kahuna Burger in this, and I was like, yeah, oh, so he's, yeah, and the cigarette brand. Oh, if you want to talk about movie universes, I mean, Godzilla for one is is a movie universe that existed before, and the Universal movies, the Universal monster, Universal movies. horror movies. Oh, yeah. That... And what of course, it, it... in the Universal horror movies, I don't know if Frankenstein yes, is in the same universe as the Mummy. Yes, they crossed. They all crossed over. Yeah. Frankenstein Abbott, Abbott Costello man. helped out with that. But those, yep. are, but those are more like a goofy comedy. I mean, like I, that's Peter, more. They're still set. There's still the those man? characters set. They're, in those they're, yeah, those are can. That's canon. It is. Oh, Frankenstein right. is the Wolfman. It's not yeah. a comedy. It's a oh, that's the Wolfman. Yeah, there you go. Here we go. House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. Those have and most again of those the characters. Godzilla movies. Mothra and Rodan yeah. were separate films, all brought into the Godzilla universe. It's Man, they as really old movies. And of course, Kevin Smith is oh, he doesn't established have a lot way time. before. Or the Elmore Leonard universe with Michael Keaton and this, or in Jackie yeah, out, Brown. Out of, and sight out, of, and, out of sight and Jackie Brown. Yeah. It's not a new thing. Whoa, whoa. Here it comes. Oh! <laughs> there we go, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> you get a big somersault out of the windshield. And he shows it like when, And that great song, I'd never heard that song before, that... Dave Dozy Beaky Mick and Titch. Never heard that song before. It's fantastic. Oh, that's great using the flick of the lights. The, yeah, that, it's a great. And then that one. Look at that. The, Jesus H. Christ. Yeah, the brutal facelift. That's Lucio Fulci time. And, and, yeah, it is. And look at this car flip, too. It's a great car flip. Yeah, it's fantastic. That actually is a real car, right? Everything I mean, is real in this, yes. I mean, that's impressive. The car chase is so impressive because of how real it all is. <laughs> Oh, so he actually did end up in the hospital. Oh, so it did mess him up. I mean, there's he's, like not, some... he's, not, he's not Superman. He's a stuntman. Wait, isn't <laughs> yeah. that, wait, isn't she in Planet of Terror? Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about this. That's what we were talking about to begin with. It's the movies are set in the same world. Oh, no, no, no. I knew you said that. I was just like, I didn't realize she was too. Right, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Because, I'm sorry. She... I, misunderstood, I misunderstood what you're saying. I knew that when you said Rose McGowan, McGowan is also in Planet You're saying... This is the same character. That's what you're Rose saying. McGowan's yes. two different characters. Two different characters. But, this yeah. is like because yeah, I do remember she's yeah, a. But the, this film takes place in the same universe as Planet Terror does, and this film is set at before Planet Terror occurs. Because you hear on the radio in Planet Terror that Jungle Julia is dead, Who's and because the... these two characters are in Planet Terror. <laughs> Wait, so well, I wonder this why... an added scene. What was this scene in the in the in the in the Grindhouse cut? It's a shorter version, no, but you yeah. find out you find out like. Uh, that oh, this were yeah because they all had alcohol in their system yeah, that they, they didn't yeah and he didn't so they said oh 
they must have been drunk driving. Yeah, it cuts it way down for it to make some level of sense, but yeah, it's this is it, a much more extended it, sequence. Yeah, it's played played for laughs in the Grindhouse version being by being so short. It's still played for laughs here because there's a cut of like he better not be anywhere near here again. And it's, oh yeah, and it and it says like the name of the city, which is I think a Middle Eastern country. I'm trying to I can't remember it right offhand. <laughs> it's gonna say in a second actually once we get all through all this. And these characters are, of course, in they're in Kill Bill and they're in From Dust Till Dawn. I mean, all his movies mm-hmm. are connected. So. And there's the Vega Brothers with uh-huh. that movie that's never going to happen that he's always that he used to talk about. Mm-hmm. Right. Vincent Vega and uh, Mr. Blonde, right? Yeah. And then and out of sight attaches to his universe as well because Keaton reprised his character in Out of Sight. That's what my one of my just favorite go-to jokes is Dennis Farina looking at Michael Keaton wearing a shirt oh, yeah, that says FBI, hilarious. and he says, "Do you have one that just says undercover on it?" And Michael Keaton is like, "No." Yeah. he's so dim. <laughs> I think I audibly cackled at that in the theater when it came out. That movie came out. That kind of and that was like I'm like 13 when or like 14 when Out of Sight's coming or no younger than that. I'm like 12 and out of but I've seen Jackie Brown and I'm like what's happened like this is so weird and the idea of that being a thing just like confused me but also excited me at the same time right um, it's like this character is in this movie wait how did wait i'm sorry i was trying to i was listening to you guys but i was trying to figure out with the dialogue so this guy figures that um stuntman mike did it that he killed them deliberately yes why they don't have the evidence but why does he think that since they because since you said that while the girls were drinking, he was sober. So what makes him think that? What's his hunch? Oh, just the nature of the of the car crash. This is not the first time it's happened, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, something. Uh, yeah. Okay. But just but, the, the nature of the brutal car crash that took place is a big part of it as well. Yeah, here it comes. Where he's like, "What am I going to do about it? Nothing." <laughs> A great actor Michael Parks was. Oh, yeah. He has a great dry delivery for sure. And great apparently, actor. He can, apparently he can play Mexicans as a definite in Kill Bill Volume Two. Yeah, that's a weird trick that they decided to do. <laughs> but his delivery is great as the as that character as well. Barely know it's two different people from the this guy in the first movie. No, that yeah, that. it's really like I look at what I saw and I was like. Well, that's weird. <laughs> and then the credits confirmed it for me as far as saying Michael Parks twice. But... Isn't somebody else played two roles in Le- that? Lebanon. Lebanon. It says Lebanon, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. So I was like... <laughs> but it staggers it, so it's funny because like, it better not be around here again. It says Lebanon. <laughs> and then adds a Tennessee to it. What were you saying? Two characters in what? Well, I thought... Um... In Django and Chain, James Remar plays two different characters. Right. There is yeah. another... Set of those in uh, in uh, in Kill Bill. Is there another actor playing two parts? I guess not. In Kill uh, Gordon Gordon Liu. Gordon, Gordon Liu, yeah, yeah, That's he plays the, yeah. Pai May and one of the, the like leader right. of the Crazy Eighty Eights or whatever. Which is an interesting choice of Tarantino's. It's cool though. I mean, it's. I mean, it makes sense for Pai May to be Gordon Liu. You've <laughs> seen Thirty Six Chambers of the Shaolin. It's like, yeah, of course you want this guy to be the one that trains somebody. Right. And here we go. Oh, is this um, Mary this is Elizabeth all... Weinstead? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Trying this to is, this is all added though. All this stuff. This is all. This is, this is all like the new introduction to these characters before you just. I think you cut to them eating, you, right? You cut to no. You, well, you cut to them. I think Russell's just like taking pictures of them outside of a place right. where they're about to go eat. But yeah, essentially yes, Peter. Like it just cuts to like them immediately. But this gives you like a whole new introduction to those characters. And the feet dangling out of the car. I mean, yeah, Tarantino certainly taking like his own Piccadillos and putting them like full display for a genre movie, which I guess mm-hmm. makes sense. Well, he puts them on display in every movie. I know, but here he's really, I mean, given that the movie's function is to be like an exploitation film, he's, you know, doing it exploitatively. That's a word. <laughs> I'll allow it. wonder why he chose to do black and white. Maybe because, uh, like, the... Maybe color reels were missing back in the day or something well even then the film There's... looks i think it's like it's... the film the second half I, I if i recall correctly it does look stylistically different than the first half it draw it starts it slowly it... drops a lot of the it uh becomes more modern pop, honestly the pops yeah it start. it just get, yeah it, it builds its way yeah he drops this... the sort of yeah gag of it being a beat-up print because he's making a movie why do you <laughs> Why do you think that is? You think there's a purpose to that? I I think he wants to show that he had no, there were no CG tricks or anything involved with the car chase. That it was yeah, genuine because okay. you could because using that filter. Well, it pro- I mean, he probably actually did the real deal of the things. Maybe um, you could think you you think maybe oh he's hiding something. So maybe he's slowly building to show you that no, this is legit. No questions asked, and he wants to it to be clearly laid out. Or maybe, maybe this, maybe black and white was a choice because I don't know. Maybe this area looked too modern. When he went to run it back, or it's a possibility. I'm trying to think of like what Russell's because he's still like a menace. So I'm trying to think like maybe he's just trying to like highlight that we're like in a calm period. But it's like no, but he's still like stalking around people right now. Maybe his world's just black and white. (laughs) All the victims are. Well, he does it in like we talk about this too in the Sin City commentary, right? Like he does it in his Sin City segment where it's like it it has a really interesting play with color on that one. Mm Mm-hmm. He did black. Well, he did black and white kill Bo because of the blood. Was, yeah, a way to appeal to the censorship aspect of it. You got the running theme of this song that keeps coming through as well. Uh, what, baby, it's you. Mm-hmm. Is this one of Rosario Dawson's first role? I'm trying to think how far back. No, 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 no. Like the mid early nineties. She was she was in Sin City before this. She oh yeah, what like kids like back? Well, yeah, kids. Oh my god, I forgot about kids. You were totally right. Yeah, you're right. Like, and he got game. Oh, she's in here. Game. Yeah, Clerks two. 
that's after this. Is that after? Okay. Or no, that's before. Sorry, it's 2006. It's the same time. I mean, yeah, that's 2000s at that point. No, like she's, uh, like I mentioned, yeah, the kids, he got game, like the, you know, early films like that. Like, I think Men in Black 2 was like one of like the, like, look at this person kind of films because that was like a mm-hmm. big block, yeah. budget blockbuster type of thing. And then 25th Hours that same year. Oh, yeah, 25th Hours. Is this going to be color in the next, once they leave the scene? He's going to do it. I think it's when he takes the pics, when he starts taking pictures. Because it was like flash that way. When it starts getting, yeah, when it gets to the the grindhouse. Maybe that's his way of marking for people who may have seen the shorter cut. Like, hey, this is all new. Well, put that on the list of questions to ask here at Quentin Tarantino, right? Right. How many dudes went out and rented Vanishing Point after this movie? <laughs> when did I, it was on Netflix like a couple years ago, I think, uh, with Dirty Harry, Crazy Larry. Uh, I've watched that finally. I was like, yeah, that's a long car chase. Mm-hmm. I had seen like a good amount of car... Like after... Um, it was Way of the Gun that did it for me. I was like, I want to watch a lot of car chase movies because this one has the most unique car chase that I've seen as far as a slow motion car chase. So what are some good ones? And like, I was revisiting French Connection and Bullet. And I'm like, what seven else? Up, seven, seven Ups. Seven Ups is coming out. Roy Scheider. Seven Ups is awesome. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I mean, it's, the movie's, fu- or maybe it's right here. It's right here where the color comes in. No, not yet. All right. It is neat how he uses the car as like a figure. Is like a, a, a the Michael Myers as as you would say, mm-hmm. just kind of the shape. There it is. Yeah, right. it's, it's just like a quick trip. Yeah. And look, all the greenhouse stuff's gone. I guess it's just because he's he's not there anymore. That's why it was yeah. black and white for a while. Or it's just, and now it's like back to I guess innocence for a bit because he's not a presence. And he's in this movie a lot less, like or in this half a lot less. Like he doesn't come in until they're already they've gone through all the rigmarole to get the car that they want to look at. And then he just randomly like pops up finally to kind of start doing his thing. Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, such a she's been in. I, I always forget that she's in a lot of like significant filmmakers things from like two thousands and early two thousands. And it's she's weird. In, she's in Sky High, the other Kurt Sky Russell High with movie. Kurt Russell, yeah. <laughs> she was in a. It's, it's, uh, Oh, which one called Scott Pilgrim? Like so, yeah. Edgar Wright. Like oh, who's also friends with Tarantino? So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And Final but, Destination three. Final Destination three, um, yes, you're right. Um, that was kind of her like by myself launcher type thing. Because well, she's I like guess. the lead of that movie, right? And they had that, yeah, she, it was her and that it's dude that they were stuff. trying to make a thing. Um, it's genre stuff, like I mean, which is you know not unfamiliar with a lot of act, you know, actors and actresses over the years as far as where you get your start from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really emphasizing the modern because now we're looking at, like magazines with current actresses and stuff, and then like there's. He's really not like going out of his way to like disguise the period in the way he was in the first half of the film. Right. right. Even though even though they did and, have... yeah, like the the filmmaking just looks cleaner. Yeah, Look at Nikki Cat shirt oh, right now. Yeah, yeah, Nikki Cat, good character actor. Yeah. Is that Johnny Cash right there? It is. I think that's Johnny Cash, right? Hey, but... CSI T on oh, yeah, the TV guide. On the thing. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, he has a copy of Italian Vogue for some reason. <laughs> I 
Yeah, so this is wait, this is all still new, right? Yes. All of this stuff is new. Because I'm like, I don't remember any. No, of this it. entire like gas station stop scene is new. It's just it's once they they they'll, once we get to Yance, yeah, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, once we get to the there's gonna be they're gonna be like a parking lot and he's like taking pictures from afar. That's when like I believe when the, the grindhouse version like cuts into this. Peter, where are you with Tarantino like ranking? Like where do where do you what do you put like high or low? I think that um I I would really uh, ArcLight is going to be showing all his movies. I think is it next week or this weekend? It's pretty soon. It's um, this weekend, actually. Yes, right, there so it is. Here, there's the scene where yeah, now he's taking this is this is where the grindhouse cut comes okay, in. Right, yeah, because because um, it, it introduces you to all four girls right away. Because that's Zoe Bell right there, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and, or where you know you get a whole intro with without Zoe Bell involved. So it's like I can uh, see why I can see why he cut it because yeah, as far as the Grindhouse version goes, there wouldn't be a necessity to have that sequence. But here it's like okay, there they all are. Get them where they need to go inside, then they'll all talk and you'll understand their characters. Um, fun fact: uh, I a couple of years ago when I was when I was in uh, between jobs and I was an Uber driver, I got a thing in Santa Monica and it was Zoe Bell, and of course I was like. <laughs> it's like death proof and everything, but I mean, she's really cool. She's with her boyfriend and stuff, but it's just such an odd, like, like I wouldn't even think, you know, I don't even know she would live here. I was like, what? Is this? I was like, yeah, it was so funny. Did um, you go? They like, both would did you not like sit the, the back seats. seat or the ho- the hood? <laughs> she was on. She did not. Yeah, that, actually, there was a joke about that. No, she was in the back seat. They're going to see uh, Florence and the Machine, I think, at the Hollywood Bowl. Because uh, <laughs> they're going to see Florence Foster Jenkins. <laughs> 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 They're huge, huge oh, Grant fans. Well, well, you were asking me. Um, I would say that, like, if you're asking me about the experience of the movie, like, not just like, is it the best or whatever. I would say it actually. This act, the, the like I said, the experience of midnight L.A. crowd, three-hour grindhouse. I don't know, man. That's pretty hard to top. Like, that might be my favorite Tarantino experience. But I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, Pulp Fiction is probably the best. I like you. I also do really like Jackie Brown. Um, I don't really know if I. Uh, I know Yancey and I have disagreed on Hateful Eight. I liked Hateful Eight. I know a lot of feels like a lot of people that have genuinely been kind of like. Um, I think Nolan's lost some fans. I feel like Hateful Eight was a movie that a lot of people who it seems like loved Tarantino kind of fell off. But I liked Hateful Eight a lot. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it much. That's true. I always meant to see it again, but he's not going to make one movie and, and lose me. I mean, that's not. Right. Oh, and I'm and Yancy, you are looking forward to the new one. Oh, I'm dying to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. I would say, um, you know what's weird? I, I gotta say, and this is a, this is just based off of not having not seen a lot of these movies in a while. I feel like my top three is probably Pulp Fiction. Uh, Grindhouse and Glorious Bastards, and then the bottom, it's probably maybe Kill Bill Two. For some reason, I'm not a big wow. Kill Bill fan. I love Kill Bill. I love the first one, but I I don't know. But the yeah. thing is, like, not only do I I really like Kill Bill Two, I've seen it may not maybe the most, but certainly it's I don't know. Maybe I have seen it the most. I've seen it so much. Where one I actually ha- maybe might be the one I've seen the least. What really? Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know. I too just works for me, and also like just all the dialogue, all the the building, the building up of things. Where like one I like, but it feels the most, it feels it feels disposable to me by by the, by that standard. Where it's like, yeah, all right, 
cool action stuff and like the dialogue's fun and everything. It, it, it is it, ironic for for a movie that is really considered one movie. One they movie actually that, do yeah. feel very different. Well, very, I mean, it's, it's very stylistically purposeful. I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose a, so. But it'd be weird to watch see it in one sitting. And oh, I guess you'd still see it in two pieces. But I, yeah, see, yeah, but see, I mean, seeing having seen it in one whole sitting, like mainly just because I already know the movie, so it just worked. It'd be I would be interested to see it for like the first time seeing it all as one and what my reaction would be to that. It's like, well, it really took a spaghetti western turn in that second half. Fun guys, like, yeah. Brandon. Uh, before I get ask you, I want because I do want to know what you think of where you are with like his rings and stuff. Like something I want to point out about the kind of the different groups that we're dealing with here. The first half, it's. I mean, we've talked about how deliberate it is as far as like stylistically. There is something different about the kind of like chemistry between the cast members, which I think is very purposeful. Also, as far as like the first half is, they're all friends, of course, but there is somewhat of a there's a bit of isolation between all of them mainly because they're all just kind of coming together for the first time in a while it seems and just like their interpersonal dramas seem to be drawing them to separate you know in separate directions where this film they're all together they're all like very like warm towards each other even the little spats they have they're all they're not antagonistic in any way which i think says something about just kind of the way they come together to fight off stuntman mike at the end of the film but i mean there is there is a deliberateness i think to how the friends get along in the two different groups that we see yeah, no, I would, I would agree. And I'll, even like, even the whole vi- the, the vibe of the setting is that like, it almost feels like it's strange because the actresses are probably all about the same age. It's warmer. I mean, look at the scene. Like the yeah, first I, six, it's like, it's you know, it's darker, it's rainy. This is mm-hmm. all. It's bright sunlight, the, and the camera is very much trying to like, it, it, it's it's lower. It's trying to like kind of promote them. Like there's 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 some differences here as far as visualization. No, to- totally. I mean, and this definitely seems like a tight group, whereas in the first half. There's that there. Yeah, you're like Yancey is saying you're at a bar, you go out, you have a cigarette, you come back. And then like at the end, they're like the person driving the car. We barely got to know. I remember she just kind of enters with other friends. Yeah, it's just a random friend. That hey, like, who the hell's mm-hmm. that person? Like, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, this is very much like very it's these four friends, you know, like. So, yeah, very different vibe. Um, well, Aaron, you're talking about the like how they're lit. I mean, the first one looks like it's, you know, like Friday the 13th. Yeah, and, yeah. And, th- and this one's like gas pump girls in terms of like exploitation lighting and stuff. Like yeah, this that's one's true. more of a true. this one's more of a, a girl type comedy movie, and the other one's very much the horror movie that. And I mean, they're even dressed in those like short shorts and the shirts with the rings on them. Well, she's um, even dressed like a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and then we have the cheerleader here, and it's just. It's playing yeah. into some tropes for sure. Where the but the first right. half is first half is more of a slasher movie. It feels mm-hmm. like a slasher movie. People get killed in very gruesome ways. Where this half, I mean, it is it essentially is a car chase movie. That's what it's becoming. And there, I mean, there's a lot of car based stuff that we've just kind of witnessed already. And that's what it's going to turn into for the majority of it in the kind of second half of this second half. Mm-hmm. It's a very strange hybrid movie. I love it, but it is weird. It is a strange well, it, concept, I, you know. It gets to me what you're saying as far as only Tarantino would do something like this. Like, yeah, yeah. there's not another director that's going to be like. You know, how about this? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how about a guy get... who's a stuntman who's got a seat? Yeah, it's it's, it's a crazy. Is it <laughs> is it weird that you know we get a lot of? Di- I mean, we get. I mean, we, there's some obvious examples, but you get a lot of directors where they lead to having imitators, and some are very successful, and some aren't. Is it weird that there aren't imitators of Tarantino that feel like as as accomplished as Tarantino does? Where you can look like Spielberg or look at 
De Palma or look at Martin Scorsese and see like they clearly have influences, but they've also become masters of their own devices. Where you look at Tarantino, it's like surely someone else could have come along at this point and similar to similarly delivered in the way that he does. And I can think of a handful of examples, but as strong. You've got Eli Roth. You've got, but as strong, Rob Zombie. I mean, Not yeah, as strong, no. Yeah. But you've got Eli. Roth, I mean, the, Rob the, Zombie, the, the but... idea of his aesthetic—that he's the guy who didn't go to film school and he learned in a video store—is a big part of his appeal. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that if he, put, if this guy, big guy, had put through Ivy League and gone to film school, he still would have been a great director. You know, he's he's just that one in a thousand this guys. Is a who's just, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's just he's just great. He's just he's just. He knows movies in his blood, and he just—I mean, he—you he, know—he's just a gift. Like I said, he's a gift. He just—it's just you know all the bad movies you sit through in your life. This is the gift you get for having sat I, through. I, them, I really you know? look forward to the listeners that hate Tarantino but are listening to this anywhere, and they're like these guys. Why would they <laughs> listen to this? Isn't that? I mean, to me, that seems really obvious. I mean, Tarantino's one of the few guys. But. From his generation that could really compete with just about anyone yeah. from any well, era. Not, I mean, he's all-timer, you know? Yeah, not every video store guy can do... Like, I think it was thought of, like, because, I mean, you get... Uh, what's his... The guy who did Boondock Saints. Um, oh, Joe, yeah. Joe, yeah. whatever. You know, Troy Duffy. D- Troy Duffy, that doesn't work. Uh, Kevin Smith yeah. had some of those qualities, just didn't quite work because he could... Kevin Smith's mm. probably better off as, like, a... a, a writer punch-up guy yeah um, and but those were the guys that were like once tarantino hit those were the guys getting picked up and it well it's funny robert rodriguez shouldn't even robert rodriguez shouldn't be having to compete with this guy robert rodriguez is a director but he's not really an a the, the sort of auteur kind of director i think i mean he he's more stink stamp on his thing he though, does man. he does but he's more like one of those guys uh, from the 50s 60s or 70s where they just made a ton of movies you didn't expect every one of them to be special. They didn't really have a super strong POV. And you kind of, oh, he did that one too. That was pretty Yeah, yeah there's more like Corman in Robert Rodriguez yeah. as far as like. But at the same time, that's why seeing him partner up with Cameron was so exciting to me. Because that is very fitting in my eyes. And Cameron was a Corman guy. Yeah. I mean, so it's like it perfectly fits as far because he's a guy that... I can see that he sees the stuff in front of him, and he's like, I know what I want to do. I know what that shit is. I mean, he's, a, like. he's know, kind of a journeyman, Robert Rodriguez. He's kind of a journeyman, and there's no shame in being a journeyman. You don't have to be an auteur just because you came in the wake sure, of Quentin but Tarantino. I do, think, you know? I, I do think that given the opportunity, he can take advantage of ambition. And that's something that I think passed him by for a good portion of the 2000s until Cameron was finally like, hey, you're a guy that grabbed yourself up by the bootstraps like I did with Terminator when you made El Mariachi. Let's work together on something because I don't have time because to take away from Pandora to make my Alita movie that I wanted to make for years. And so he's like, all right. And it worked out to some degree. Like it, it's I, I want to see what Robert Rodriguez does now after having the chance to do something like Alita. Like if he goes back to being like, I guess I'll make that machete third movie. Now it's like, oh, come on. Like that's, <laughs> that's, it's going to piss me <laughs> off. Did you like Alita? Alita, I, I do like Alita. I, I I think it has some issues, but as far as like really trying to put something out there, I think it has a lot that it's doing really well. And it gives Christoph Waltz something different to play for a change, which I enjoy. True. That's true. He's not uh, just like, you know, clever guy, mostly a villain. Like he's actually playing, he's like, he's playing Obi-Wan basically was, in that movie. It was blessed with Jai Courtney too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Well, he's Obi-Wan sequence, and Django whole, and Chain, too. This whole sequence that... We're, yeah, he is. And that movie's a superhero origin story, but that's a different question. Um, this um, this whole sequence is exactly Reservoir Dogs. 
the, the oh way yeah the, ca- the way the oh, camera's totally. slowly tracking around this table focusing on different characters without cutting very often it's entirely reservoir dogs and you get a unique perspective obviously because it's tarantino who's it's you know it's weird because we've gotten with the once upon a time in hollywood thing coming out there's been a lot of speculation about how he's going to handle sharon tate um, we have none of us have seen the film as of yet, and we know it's screened. I think we've all obviously we probably all avoided any like thought or reading about what the movie may entail. I won't be surprised if it pulls something close to something like Inglorious Bastards and rewrites right. history a little bit. But regardless, part of the you know quote unquote controversy, which seems to kind of come after Hateful Eight, which you know had a lot of violence against Jennifer Jason Lee along with every other character in that movie, but you know making a movie about the Charles Manson murders. And the the association with a, you know, a pregnant actress, um, there's a way that that can rub people the wrong way. I can understand that. I just, I'd like to think people are smart enough to know, like, you wouldn't be able to make this movie, get the blessing of Sharon Tate's sister and do all that without having something going on that says something. But in saying all that, the people that seem to be upset about this thing also seem to forget that Tarantino, I mean, he makes movies that, yes, are primarily, seem to be primarily for a male audience, but... There's a lot of like strong female characters in his movies, right? Yeah, he does. He does. Wait, I didn't know. So it's Sharon Tate's sister. Uh, she approved of the movie. She saw the script and gave her blessing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I, I've got a good like, guess what I think is going to happen at the end. I, yeah, I've, I think mean, it's easy to speculate just based off people in it and what I can have be done. not heard anything. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's, yeah. there's a, one character that we see explicitly in the trailer that I'm wondering but, but, why the character's in the movie. I'm yes, but be at, all at the same time, it does feel like there's a lot of people going out of their way to be like, there's no way this man could do anything that would be make sense to involve Sharon Tate. Well, that's the question. That's, that, yeah. that, that, that's what the one thing we have to discuss a little bit here before this thing is over is, Obviously, it does seem like he's serious now that he only wants to make 10 movies and then quit. And for a long time, I thought this was a really callow thing. Because how many, I mean, how many great movies have been made by guys who are older? A lot. Scorsese still makes great movies. And I've seen, and I've seen, and frankly, I've seen, living in L.A., I've been in theaters with Tarantino where I've noted, the last 20 years of Woody Allen movies, he's seen I've been, I've just happened to be in the same theater with him multiple times and seen him just doubled over with laughter at some of the weaker uh, sort of 2000 era Woody Allen movies. He's a so huge he, Scoop fan. Right. Well, I, I'm a huge Scoop well, fan. Well, he liked too, that Jason Biggs one was one of his favorites. I like yeah. that one too. Like that. Anything else. <laughs> Let's not get into that. I love it. But I'm just saying, I've seen, he does not seem to be someone who is uh, not into Woody Allen movies that he's made when he's in his 70s. So the idea that he thinks no one makes good movies anymore when they get older has always seemed pretty silly to me. But now that the culture has really started to change, and someone mentioned this to me on Facebook, and at first I dismissed it, but then I thought about it. I'm like, you know, you're right. Maybe he doesn't want to, he's, you know, A, he's made a series of movies and he's never made a turkey. And B, maybe he doesn't feel like he can be Quentin Tarantino much longer because now in 1992, you make a movie like Reservoir Dogs where the character is using the N-word so much and you know exactly what's going on. You don't think, well, this filmmaker is promoting that I should start saying the N-word or that it's good to say it. You understand that the characters in the movie are doing this and you're grown up enough to understand. Now, in our current culture, that's just not the way it works. You have to figure no, people, for the yeah, lowest people have to be like you know symbols of 
of of one thing yeah. or another, and there's no there's no well, rhyme you, reason. You, to, there's no rhyme reason gotta, people being flawed. You have to you have to have very pronounced well, things in order to be acceptable. To this even more than that, in 1992, you were still making movies for the smartest people or the most grown up people in, in, in the audience. Now you have to make movies for the least sophisticated element because they're the ones who are going to be upset if they don't get, if they, if they're offended by something. So you have to play to that audience who is going to be very literal minded. And maybe he's just disenchanted. I feel as you've criticized me many times, Aaron, for being kind of disenchanted with the way the current culture is. But maybe if I was him, I would feel the same way about, about not having, because look, yeah, why the hell can't he make, I mean, he made Inglorious Bastards, a movie where Hitler gets shot to pieces in a movie theater. I remember I read that script. Look, I was lucky enough to read that script before the movie came out. And I thought, when I first read it, I thought, you can't do this. This is like an immoral thing to do because people are going to think this is what happened. There are enough people who are idiots. They're going to eventually think that this is really what happened. You can't do this. And then I changed to thinking this is going to change movies forever because you can do this. If you're good enough, you can do this. And it kind of didn't have either impact. But like we understand who he is and like why would anybody be wanting to put the kibosh on Tarantino doing a movie about 69 and the Mansons and Sharon Tate? We obviously know that he he loves and knows more about that era than anyone you've ever met, you know. Certainly anybody criticizing him. Who's going to police? Why, why are we policing this? And is the truth that they're really not? It's a small, I mean, although did I hear today that he added more Sharon Tate scenes to the cut? I, that, I don't know. I didn't read. But there was, that there, a, was... there was a complaint that she wouldn't in enough. I'm like, it, but she didn't like. If that was his cut of the movie, it, it if she was a smaller character to begin with. That's like, a, I haven't it, seen it, the movie, but it's so stupid when. It's similar. It, it look. It's yes, of course. What you said twenty minutes ago. Plant the flag on the moon. This is terrible. Right. Tarantino has long since proven that he loves female women and female characters, and he's given so much time over to to female characters that we need to take it on faith. That if Sharon Tate doesn't have a lot of dialogue in this movie, it's not because he thinks Sharon Tate is an unimportant part of it or he doesn't care about Sharon Tate. It's just they are, the poetic device, obviously, the way he's going to use Sharon Tate in this movie is the way he's going to use it. And because we've seen his movies for 20 years and we know who he is and we know his artistic conscience, we should just trust he's not going to do something offensive or disgusting. But we don't do that anymore. We leap right to the idea that. I'm going to be the first to be offended at this thought that you're trivializing. Is a right. point, yeah, the trivializing is a bit. Well, I mean, I gotta, I mean you, you people look at Tarantino films, and you know, some people say you know the correct things, and some people are like that guy's all blood and splatter. It's like, have you seen his? I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I'm just curious. Like, um, you know, I've uh, you know, Aaron, you know, off off podcast, Aaron and uh, Yancey have known that. Uh, I don't know if I'm exactly the same as Yancey, although I mean, I'm I'm the oldest person on this podcast, but. But um, I also have some reservations and, and hesitation about some of the more modern audiences and stuff. But one thing I was just curious, because uh, we're all film fans here. Um, in never in your wildest dreams, I'm assuming. So if for some reason uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out, yes, uh, if you didn't get to see it, you probably would check out Aaron's review. You probably want to see a review. But would you ever go online and like read a summary to, to know if there's anything in it that you might not like before you see it? Nope. No. Are you asking, are you asking us in particular? Or are you asking, like, do you think audience do that? Well, because I've met people that do because they think something might be triggering. They might something be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm like, are you really like this? Like, it, I mean, yes. To be to answer your question, there are people out there. There is a – it's, it's not – that to be fair. 
it's not the worst thing for, for some audience to be like, oh, there's certain things that I just don't agree with or don't want to be a part of that. It's the worst thing if that's if then if, that. if that's going to drag the entire art form down. It is a kind of a bad thing because it's, 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 it's to it's, that degree, yes. At the same it, time, it shouldn't. St- if it's stopping people from making movies, sure, that's bad. If it, if there's like certain segments where it's like uh, there's going to be too much of like this thing. That's why it's yeah. That's an RPG PG thirteen. I mean, that's the deal. Yeah. Like, I, I, how can you shelter yourself? I mean, but I think the reason I'm saying this is because I think Yancey touched on something that. I feel like I, I I don't hear enough of, which is that t- is Yancey saying, "Look, man, we've seen this, we've seen Tarantino's movies for twenty years now, you know, or or more, and there should be, if you're a fan, a film fan, and a fan of Tarantino, isn't there? Shouldn't there be some level of trust? Like, no, no for, of course, yeah, of course there is. I mean, there should be, and that, but that's the yeah. problem. People have selective memories, and that's how things work now. I mean, it's it, it's so a choice that seems to be we like don't made. have to be approving of the way things work now. <laughs> It's not, no, it's we don't not have always to be, right. but that, but you have to, you, you, it's also just easy to see it, that that's what takes place in a lot of instances or you jump on a bandwagon and suddenly the, you know, the narrative changes completely about what something actually is when it never was that to begin with. That's not uncommon to no, history no, in no. general, but it's certainly, you know, with social media amping things up so much, that's why you also have to give talk to how much does this actually affect something? How much is film Twitter going to say about a movie when it bombs or fails when it's like, well, that's just a small segment of the audience to begin with. Like the last right, of gen. course, the people who are actually complaining about Sharon Tate and this are, are, are not, it's not going to make a difference. It's not the public the at large, no. And you know, especially, you know, the more the majority of people that are seeing this trailer, you know, they have they don't even have much of a sense of what's going to happen beyond it's a Tarantino film, it's going to involve certain things. The idea of, like, Sharon Tate and Charlie Manson is, like, that's there, but it's not made a highlight of the film, which I think is on purpose, because it's probably not a major part of the film. Right. Like, I've been probably an that's accidental a, it's gonna be a circumstance. Lo- it's gonna be a I think it's going to be more I, about these guys, the stuntman and the actor yeah, yeah. and the changing, and now what, you know. What, I, what I've been saying is that it's probably going to be a lot like Spike Lee's Summer of Sam, where that's an element, yeah, but it's not the point. main element of the film. Oh, yeah, you that's might a good probably. call, Aaron. That's a, I, mean, I bet you might even explicitly be like that well, in a way where you go, that's an inspiration, you know. Yeah, it's there. It's an underrated picture, you know. For sure. And I mean, I we'll see it's coming soon so we don't have to spend we should talk more about this movie i let for some <laughs> reason tarantino's like that guy in adam sandler movies with the deep with the deep gravelly voice i'm yes. gonna have him in kill bill and this movie like it's just like i'm glad, good on him for i guess being like having a you know the casting director seeing this guy and being like yeah he can play rednecks in tarantino's movies you can really tell from this movie how much and from what i know of him it's true he really does love women and not in a pervy sort of like he likes likes to hang out and talk to women you know similar again to woody allen and again not in a pretty way i think like you can tell from this the way she's cradling that allure magazine like that's the kind of thing that someone who has actual affection for women would put in a movie well it comes out of being an actor's a director again where he's like i'm going to trust you as much as you trust me to do the things that you would probably do in life as this person yeah yeah i just it's just you agree i really get a strong sense that the guy genuinely uh probably you know would choose the company of women as companion as you know to talk to more often than than, than not um and again that's another reason to not worry that he's gonna do something awful with this yeah it's just but the funny thing is oh, if he if, if he is wor- if he is worried about uh there being some kind of you know um d- backlash coming where he gets canceled i mean a I've, i don't think that there are any other than that uma thurman thing i, I think that he's Genuinely behaved himself in Hollywood. It I don't would think have happened by now. I think yeah, I think he's generally regarded as a pretty decent guy. 
Um, and, 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 it's because he's a giant nerd that watches movies all day. Like, right, when, does he have to, when does he have time to be a look, terrible some person? Some of those giant nerd who watches movies all day are awful. No, but, but I mean, I mean it's just, he's just a break. I'm, I'm generalizing heavily, obviously. I mean, but at the same time, it's like the right. guy seems so like dreadfully focused on watching as many movies as he can in a day, writing stuff, and just like being this kind of per- like. It's like but what I was getting... be, when would he have time to be like? By the way, I'm going to go start harassing people on the streets <laughs> now. Also, well. It's, Unfortunately, there are plenty of people who who are scumbags. You I have know. to go. Well, I like the guy's movies, but I'm not but trying to trivialize I'm anything. I'm just saying. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I'm just saying that with him, I think he probably is a pretty decent guy, and also like I think he's got he's one of those guys. And I don't mean to compare him to Michael Jackson because I don't think anything similar in terms of that. But but he's people love him too much. I don't think there's almost anything he could do that would make us wanna turn our backs on him because he, he, he makes us happy. You know, he's a, you know, it's easy to forget when they're rich entertainers, but like he performs a, a service for us that we want. And that would probably stop there from ever being a reckoning against him. Right. Yes, I because, see what you're saying. Like if, yeah. the, if, if God forbid there are like people that have been greeted horribly or whatnot, it'd be something that comes out like after the fact, as opposed to during his run or what have you. No. Well, even if, even if it came out during too his much dark run, speculation. <laughs> there's nothing. No, he's a, I, I, I'm fairly sure he's a, I'm just saying that I don't think he would have to worry about of all the people. I don't think he's the one who would get any kind of snapback from, you know, if that's what he's worried about. And I'm just speculating on the reasons for his wanting to retire because He's still pretty young, isn't he? He's what is he? He's about ten years older than me, I think. So he's in mid fifties. But but snapback would that affect him though? He's not a very uh, social media guy. Like it's just like Woody Allen. Woody Allen could give less of what's going on on the internet. But Woody Allen had outgrown his relevance to young younger people. They didn't have any place to. Well, they didn't know what to value in him. Tarantino is still in 20 years. The story will be different. 20 years, people will have moved on from Tarantino and will not recognize him for what he's done. But but right now, he's you know he's the the goose that lays the golden eggs. And when we have a goose that lays golden eggs, we don't give it up. And we tend to be more rational about the art versus the artist. To wrap this point up, because we, <laughs> we need to, we need to get back to death through because this car stuff is all about to start right now. Um, and I just remembered that I wanted to hear what Brandon wanted to say about the rankings of these movies. But, um, <laughs> no one asks me about the rankings. Go ahead, Brandon. Go I'll, ahead. I'd get to you next. But no, I just want to wrap. As far as him possibly retiring, what have you, part of it, like compared to Woody Allen, his movies are fairly simple. I mean, you get a bunch of people, you go to a place and you film the script. Like Tarantino's movies do seem like an endeavor. And I can understand sure, like sure. just not feeling like creatively jazzed at this moment because you know 10 years 20 years from now he's like all right i got another thing i want to do now like it's gonna happen like it's not well yeah and also the thing that the the cliche has always been well when is tarantino going to grow as a filmmaker and start making things that are about slightly more mature topics and he never really did nor does he ever have to disagree with that Uh, of course you're going to say you're going to give too much credit to the growth you see in jackie brown but i mean he's still making not jackie brown no i no i i look after kill bill and seeing seeing what he's doing in Glorious Bastards and Django he, Unchained and Hateful Eight in Gremlins. Thematically. Yes, thematically. That's what I'm saying. The same guy, I think I'm, not saying made... I'm not saying from a technical perspective, although he has increased, obviously, in different ways. Well, I, sure, do think thema- I do think grown. thematically he has a lot going on as far as what he thinks about kind of the social social situations that we put ourselves in and where we are as a society that he's putting into films that very much fit his style. See, that's where this is where I have to disagree. I I have to say, and again, I love this guy's movies, but I, I think more often than not, 
when he makes a movie that is ostensibly about feminism, it's actually just about revenge. When he makes a movie that says about racism, it's about revenge, about about World War II. It's about, what he really wants to do is make a movie where you can kill a lot of people. And I think it's, I, it's on brand for him to use revenge as a device, but I still think it leads to I interesting don't, avenues. I, I, I don't think that those movies are saying... As great as they are, I don't think they're saying anything interesting about World War II, the slave slavery, or or what it's like to be a woman in a man's. World. I don't really feel like in on those levels he's scoring philosophical hits, and I think there's always been a pressure that he needs to start. He needs to make like a movie that doesn't have any guns or killing and just people talking in Los Angeles or whatever. That that would be sort of what is expected of him, and I, I don't can, think he I ever. Say, what I can say is we can agree to disagree on it. I, I just just coming out of watching Django yesterday, I, I definitely see so much more there. But we yeah. we should talk about these cars. We should talk about this car say, situation. Like, I wanted to say, like, man, it's pretty. That's that. I mean, I mean, you guys were having that great conversation, but like that scene, man, when Zoe Bell getting on the top, that was pretty uh-huh. amazing. I was like, holy cow! Like, I mean, yeah. like, it, I, it, I, it, I hate that. I hate that people, including some of my friends who watch this, are so cynical that they're like, well, clearly they're just doing a trick there. It's like this is you're still faking this. Totally like, I mean, like that's it. Like, it, now, did he write this for her explicitly? Is that really yes. what this? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, and it, she's obviously Uma Thurman's stunt double from Kill Bill. You can tell by looking at her that that's who she is. Oh, I didn't know that he was, he was so, you know, he he had a great relationship with her on Kill Bill. He's like, I'm going to make this part for you as far as you playing yourself as a stunt woman. He found her interesting enough to do that. So that's why we really could have John Malkovich or Kurt Wright, because it really was pivoting around her more and the women, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's it, a, like it, it, Russell's a device in this, yeah. where the, yeah, the characters, these, especially this second half, because they're the, you know, more heroic crew, it's, that's what he's building up to as far as getting a chance to, you know, let these people shine, particularly Zoe Bell sitting on the top of a car right now while other cars ram her. I mean, it's, yeah, it's... Well, I will say... so I, brilliant. The filmmaking here is so, like, mm-hmm. he's, this is, I was so amazed. I mean, I wasn't amazed. Yeah. I knew he was brilliant, but this, this was such a... No, where the camera is, where her body's moving on the top of this hood at these speeds, which have to be it's, fast. It's, <laughs> this is, this is a truly yeah. great action sequence that is yeah. not especially based on the, dialogue Especially when the camera's in, oh. especially when the camera's in front of the car. It's because yeah. that means he has to be going over 20 miles faster than the rest of these people to be yeah. this. this must have been a, just a, a nightmare. I would not have wanted to be involved in shooting this. Well, of course I would have, but you know, like this must have been that, such a why, shoot. That's why Fury Road is just insane. Oh, I can't even. Don't all even. of that happened. That's why reading Soderbergh talk about Fury yeah, Road Soderberg, makes like, me like Fury Road more. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you're like, how is that possible? Wait, Soderbergh's a big Fury Road fan. Yeah, he wrote. He he, mm-hmm. he of course he did. He did an interview with so about like just how he can't process how a filmmaker can do something like that. Right, that he just, would have killed five hundred people making that yeah. movie. Nope, <laughs> doesn't make any sense to him. <laughs> he's not that kind. He's never going to be that kind of filmmaker. That's what he was saying. Brandon, I, yeah, I, how do you how do you rank Tarantino's movies? <laughs> oh, we're at this. Um... <laughs> we took a detour there. Sorry, Brandon. Yeah, uh, I I'm in the like Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown are very high, and then probably ah, let's see. It's hard because I, I I love them all. Um, probably like maybe Inglorious Bastards, but I was I was I was pretty high on Hateful Eight. Um, I really did like that one, especially theatrically, seeing just his camera work and taking that small confined space, but making so much of it. Um, I definitely agree there as far as because there's a lot of like, why do you use these Panavision 70 mm lenses if it's set inside? It's like, you know how amazing it looks inside? Yeah. Like, close ups are just as, like, can be just as cinematic as having wide shots of vistas every 10 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and the score for that one was 
Ooh, no, of course. Fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and like, I'll agree with you. Like, um, Reservoir Dogs, while I, I still think it's good, it, there's sort of um, a juvenile quality to it that seems to come across with age. Um, that I, I think he's a little too. Um, he lets some of the and the actors go a little too improv-y a bit, I think, and um, it it comes it results in some like just cussing for cussing's sake, uh, and a lot of it. But it's still it's still I mean as much as I say that you go back to that and it's still wildly impressive. It's watchable. It's it's incredibly it's, watchable. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, movie. It's still, yeah, and and this for one debut man. This one I mean just watching it now I'm like how could you not have just even if you didn't like the rest of it you're like it was worth it for this car chase. Yeah, like look at look at like her it's, on this hood facing the road. Like, yeah, it's great. It's insane. And the, like that shot, like the just the truck coming out of nowhere. Then he pulls off way to the side, and then this big this dust moment. Yeah, oh, that truck moment is flips awesome. over in the background. Yeah, yeah, it like, just like crashes. I love this dust moment where like the camera doesn't know where he is, and he's yeah, over it's here. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that is pretty great. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Like the camera's trying to keep up. Like that's how intense this all is. This is like. This is so much great tension here. And you leave Grindhouse like, whoa. <laughs> that yeah. was insane. Now he was like, when he, he doesn't talk about it as much anymore, but when Tarantino first came around, he really spoke a lot about Brian De Palma. That was his big guy. And he oh, just yeah. was cut. Yeah. And like this, the conceit of this movie has something De Palma esque to it where you're sort of running the movie For twice. Sure. I was gonna you know? mention that exactly when you see the yeah. first the first yeah. car crash when the when the um when the glass comes in on the person driving the car. That's like that felt to me like the most De Palma shot. Yeah, right. Sure. Just the way he uses that glass and the violence, like that's exactly what Brian De Palma would do with something like blow up or whatever. Honestly, I will say here, right? Like even though he's terrible, like Kurt he's Russell, level. he's a roguishly, of course. Yeah, yeah, because he has that charming laugh. All of that, he, he he's still engaging, even though he's so he's a monster. But you're like, oh, he's Kurt Russell. Like uh, this is this oh, is the best. <laughs> this is oh, the best. Like uh, I, I love that we're. This is us learning about who he is. The, right. We get a lot of him talking in the first half, but you don't know who he is. No, you know. Th- this is a lot of development on what this person actually is, and he's a child. And I found that like it's crazy. Like uh, that, like all the well, bravado, everything he does to like build up to like wooing the people in the first one. Here he's just like, I'm just having fun. Like, and it's like, yeah, but you're a psychopath. You go, like, I'm okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah, the I'm okay. That's great. Oh, this part, yeah, when she bounces right. back up. Oh, that's a that's a big tension reliever. Goofy, yeah, yeah. goofy mom. It's a perfect <laughs> it's a perfect tension reliever. <laughs> I will say one thing I one thing I wanted to say was that it felt like and again we're watching this with subtitles without the sound, but it felt like a lot of the first half of this movie is kind of aimless conversations with the with our first group, and then these very specific conversations where stuntman Mike is trying to convince someone of either who he is or whatever. In this part of the movie, it's these conversations where these friends are trying to convince each other or something specifically zoe bell with the car but it's interesting what, because it has what, such a wait what well i was gonna say do you think like i just i said this thought wild thought crashed my head the first set of girls are a bunch of people who think they're pretty badass and and think they're these yeah. like thrill seekers oh, yeah. and they're not they <laughs> hang out in a they hang out in a bar and then they buy into everything that stuntman mike is just because they you know hear movies things that then we switch to these girls, and they are the real deal. Thrill seekers. There's one's an actual model. Um, they got all this, and then they they're not impressed with stuntman Mike. And yeah. yeah, go after yeah. him. Well, that's I mean, that's why it makes these 
you know, this set of women, the heroic group. Yeah, which like, is kicked off like, right here, right yeah, when she right when she mounts the car like a yeah. horse and goes joust. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> so cool. I, I I laughed so hard like when he's like crying, but the the part where they're driving side by side and he's like, I was just playing around. Yeah, oh, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's where you start learning who this guy is once you take yeah. all these layers this is, off of him. It, and this scene cursed... right here is a huge because he's about to cry a bunch, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it, yeah, like, yeah, he's pouring like the alcohol on, and he's crying at that. He's got blood <laughs> on his windshield. It occurs to me that that I hadn't thought of it before, but uh, maybe I'm making the presumption to say that Kill Bill has a has a feminist slant too, and I think it does. If that's not that effective to me in this movie, it really is. This movie does feel genuinely. Well, it's more. Pr- it's certainly more feminist. Pronounced. That movie, Kill Bill, is think... not. It doesn't. I mean, beyond the fact that Uma Thurman's, you know, she's pregnant, and part of it's that she lost her. The man lost just child. took her baby. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's that's certainly a part of it. But yes, it boils more down to the revenge aspect than the like the gendered part nature of it. This one does feel like it's very much trying to attack that thing. It's tra- casting it's... having Kurt Russell in here makes it nicely complex because you do like him in that roguish way you but do, he still deserves he's... the yeah it's not john malkovich you want to see get a spear through his head but, you know, but like, Kurt russell also there's a level of machismo that comes with him that of, makes course, sense of course well. of course, well, and, of course. And, and also when you get to this side of things this is like you know when you get to your you know friday the 13th part four all yeah. you know is jason's your familiar character yeah you know yeah. when you get to like the latter sequels of a slasher thing like freddy krueger it's like oh well i know freddy i don't know these people that's, that's a good point. Charm that comes with him. That's a good point. Yeah. But I do. I don't know. I. I. I, I don't have. Oh, this no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Peter? They just... <laughs> Maybe they should have programmed this one first. And put no, because it, no, because it ends on it ends on too much of a high. You can't put this. Yeah. Sec- you can't put this first. Well, maybe, the, maybe the box office would have been better. I I don't know. I I don't think there'd be much of a difference because the, the right. there's no main wait, star. Wait, I mean, wait, Kurt Russell's wait. you know at, at that point it's not like he's dragging people to, in the seats. I mean, the, the crazy star thing is like this Tarantino's the Tarantino's the name at this point as far as who's getting yeah, people in the, the seats headline. for this movie. Right. Yeah. This movie never gets made standalone without the other one. Like that's the crazy thing about you know we have that's this. That's true. Yeah. If it came it, out like if it came out like right after Pulp Fiction, maybe. He would never would have done that without the challenge. Yeah, yeah. He'd have made a car chase in something, but he would have never had this. Like he got, he got to dick around with this movie. Like boy, you know, the end of this movie is so much of a like high you ride on. You don't want that to be leading into Planet Terror. It's great too because you're right. There hasn't been a fake distress to the film in 40 minutes. Like this is just a straight up movie now. He's basically he's cheating. He's completely left Robert Rodriguez high and dry by making a real movie. That's the other thing. But if you're going, like, if you yeah. if you do that in the first half, then do this, and then you go back yeah. to the crappiest looking version possible in Planet Terror, it's like what? It's too much of a gear shift, honestly. Pun intended. Yeah, but if you were gonna have walkouts after the first movie, this might have had better word of mouth. Maybe I like Planet Terror, but it's you know it's 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 for fans of the worst sleazy eighties. That's why if you walk out of that second, you're not gonna be like, you gotta see this. It ends with the world dying. Like I mean, it's not. Well, the order they had didn't work. They should have had more trailers. That's all I would have talked about were those trailers. <laughs> oh, trailers were great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Eli Ross best film. Thanksgiving. Peter, are you making, are you making a point? <laughs> I was just, oh, I don't, I don't know if I, it, it's, it's, I just think it's interesting to me how, and maybe it's kind of dovetailing into Yancey's notion that maybe this is more thoughtfully uh, feminist than uh, Kill Bill, which is that I like, I like the notion of like you see stuntman Mike as this person who really only uses his 
his charm and dialogue to get what he wants. And then you <laughs> the second half, and it's really just these friends who are negotiating these things that they want to do, but all, all, you know, with the best intentions of like trying to oh, wouldn't it be great to get this car and here's my dream. And like, I don't know. I, I like that, you know, like, I don't know. And, it's, and, and also I think Tarantino's always really great with dialogue. So, whoa. So I get here where it spills onto traffic. I love that too, where it's just like, now it's, it's even more real because there's so yeah. many things around him. The environment just becomes more like alive all of a sudden. That it becomes part of the fruit. Yeah, that's great. It's a great. Yeah. At this point in the sequence, it's great to ratchet it up there. It's brilliant. Yeah, now, now it's T2. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like... Yeah, this weaving through traffic is amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing. And I love that they're just like average cars. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's not a hard thing to accomplish, but at the same time, it's like, those are stunt people in those cars, but it still looks like a regular highway. <laughs> right. And it's like scattered enough. It's not a huge, it's not, you know, it's not to live and die in LA. It's a regular freeway. <laughs> Mm. It's a highway. It's was a that way. a set that they built for to Limited LA, or is that actually? No, they went back. They went what uh, backwards on the one ten or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, crazy. I know. Did they just close it off? And yeah, I assume. I mean, he's driving yeah. backwards through traffic. They had to close it off, but it's like that chase is insane. By the way, like to live and die. Like if you, I mean, that's I great... love French Connection, but to live and die LA, that's where it's like, good God, how do you do this? <laughs> yeah, that's underrated. That movie, Wang Chung. Wow, well, that's why. <laughs> I think it's great. I, I think people consider it like Freakin's last great movie. Yeah, I think Ebert gave it. Did they? I think yeah. Killer Joe was yeah, well, Killer <laughs> Joe's good. Yeah, but Killer I mean, Joe's good. Yeah, Ebert did give it four stars, but I think he was an outlier in that case. From, it, from it, it, it got pretty decent. I mean, Bug was yeah. the one where people were like, "Yeah." <laughs> no, Bug was the one where he came back. He made so many movies, but Blue Chips and like Jade. Yeah, I I feel, I feel like Bug was one where it's like Jade has a car chase too. This seems to be like it this out of it now at this point. Like, why are we still bothering? And then Killer Joe comes out. It's like, oh, he's still doing his thing. <laughs> like, he, I like the Hunted. I like the Hunted a lot too. Like that's a bit. He he, he had his. He was one of those guys that had that intense period of greatness, and then that was basically it. Well, the, the guys from the seventies, not many of them made it out successfully through. Like mm-hmm. he, I'd say, he has a more successful eighties than most of them, and his isn't even that great. I like that Michael Mann's right there too, like beside him. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of this in my own way. Oh, well, Michael Mann was just coming into the picture when I know. Yeah, he's an down. '80s. He's an '80s on guy. Well, there wasn't there a wasn't there a weird thing with To Live and Die in L.A. and Michael Mann where like he he sued Freakin well, because he's... they both because they, cause that Will Manhunter Pete. that and Manhunter both had Will, that uh, William Peterson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I thought it was I thought it was that he was suing him because he thought the Miami Vice. It's a combination of things. That's one of them though that they both have the same lead, and then yes, it's, there's this whole. But then they became buddies, and he wanted him to stuff. play. He wanted him to play Hannibal Lecter. In yeah, Manhunter, Man he wanted yeah. the freaking to play that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's that would have been interesting, you know. Yeah, this car chase is still going, and it's insane. <laughs> it's such a long chase. Wait, is is this whole chase in the original cut? Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. That, no, that no, you, don't, you, don't, you don't cut anything. Yeah, you don't cut anything out of a car chase. <laughs> man, <not laughs> you do not cut anything out of a car chase. It's like animation. This is what everyone came to you see. You plan it out well enough that you don't have to I cut anything. I love this when he's like so confident when he says, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's one of my favorite Kurt Russell line readings. And just a great camera reveal right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great. So it's, like a, it's like a shark just entered the frame. Yeah. yeah. Great shot. See, couldn't he just make smaller movies for a while, Tarantino? Does he have to make... 
And what's her name from? Uh, she's from like, Rent. So is Rosario, but oh, that's yeah, she yeah they're she, both friends. She yeah. is a uh, good at dr- like someone mute driving, like driving yeah yeah driving acting like it's yeah uh, like yeah you... yeah she is good at that. Someone mute, and there goes the car flip. Oh come on! Sorry guys. And now he's just all out crying, and it's yep. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> As I recall, it's hilarious. Like dangling out of the car. Ending, Wait, what right? does he say? He says some line like, um, "Oh dear God, no!" Or please, or no, he's, God no, he help says, me. Don't do this, or something like. He Why says, did I deserve this? My arm's broken. That's what he says. My arm's broken. Because <laughs> <laughs> they care. My arm's broken. Work, don't worry. I love how quickly the ending yep. comes up in this way. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. No doubt. That's why this is the perfect second movie to have because it just ends on like this yes, like moment. <laughs> And yeah, the the sound effects of these punches that are coming at him nonstop, yeah. <laughs> missing frames, and like, yeah, yeah, like it's. Now this I wouldn't mind seeing John Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I would have enjoyed. I'm seeing sure twice he wrote this scene. He's like, huh, I wonder what Malkovich wants to do. This. <laughs> I just wouldn't mind seeing him getting beaten to death by a bunch of women. Oh. Oh. Dunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Such a great. I remember the my end. theater erupted in just like laughter and yeah. applause when that happened. But wait, so people, that's a terrific it. movie. Like, it's perfect. There's a it's little a bit more. Movie. There's a little bit more. Yeah, there we go. You get the bow. You get the drop here's kick. The, here's the MCU cliffhanger right here. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Boom. Whoa! Oh man. There won't be a death proof three. This soundtrack's a lot of fun. What, what's yes. with the, the the photo in the credits on this? I mean, but it's, it's, just, it's whatever some, random reference he's going right. for. And like, it's just something, yeah. I mean, it seems like, what, vintage magazine cutouts and stuff and what have you. So, uh, yeah. Previous victims of Stuntman Mike. Maybe. That's dark, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> and, and then there's stuff that's like, we had fun making this film, right, yeah. folks? yeah. Wait, um, because I haven't seen Grindhouse in a while. Grind, Grindhouse, the trailers, is it just between the movies or is it yes. before the first there's one? Ma- machete, no, there's a machete, machete before... comes before Planet Terror, but then and then in between, yeah, you get you get Thanksgiving, Don't, and um, Werewolf Women of the SS. Yeah. <laughs> and, there's like, and there's like a concessions commercial too, right? Yeah, you get yeah, you can get into a concessions one as well. Grindhouse, such a delight! I, I was so surprised that wasn't oh, yeah. a big hit. That was a wonderful experience in the theater. Great. But again, I guess it's just a it's very so specific niche. audience. You know, it's, it's just so niche. niche. I mean, it's the yeah. four of us, and that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think but, it was it was during a time where they were they were still learning in that like sort of like throw with Scott Pilgrim, where you think like the geek things are gonna do big with Buzz stuff like that, and it's really more niche than they'd want to believe. But Scott Pilgrim is like video games kind of stuff, and this is like yeah, but that was it's supposed to be a own niche. big it's deal, a different niche. I yeah, mean, it's yeah, a different it's... niche, but like that's still with the geek property things and yeah. the like film geek stuff. And yeah. I'm just surprised that in the years since it hasn't, I would have thought for sure it would have gained in the reputation and become a, a, a real. It's major hard to find library. that longer cut took forever to come out on home video, so yeah, it, it was kind of like the, yeah, yeah. Well, no, the longer can... cut came out first, right? 
no, well, it the, didn't come out at all. No, the 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 grindhouse cut. No, yeah, the grindhouse came out full, to like 2008 yeah. or 2009. Right, because I, I had to buy the two separate versions, and then right. I was happy when the actual compiled version. Now I miss not having this version. I had to. Yeah, so uh, what, what you say, I mean, what you're saying is there's not, you know, there's no theaters that are continuing to play that, and there's no like version. No, of, there's no, not way, there's no, no theaters, there's no way to there's, there's no way. Let me say, there's no way to watch it at home because it's only available separately. So you can't replicate this thing to be like, oh yeah, I remember like maybe seeing that once or like it doesn't come up. It can't. And there was stream, a, I guess. Yeah. There wasn't a uh, like Netflix or anything at the time to hit one of those so people would see but isn't that. Isn't that exactly thing. the prescription for a cult movie? <laughs> like that's exactly. Well, I mean, how it has to, I think the the thing for Grindhouse would have been discovering it at a home video shortly after its theater release, and now it's just kind of been lost in the fold because now we have so much Dario crap. Dario Argento. Dario yeah. Argento. I didn't notice. I never noticed. It's just also, I'm sure it's just there's the also the, 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 there's also the fact that even among fans. There's also the fact that even among fans, you know, it's it is regarded as we've said as the one the weaker Tarantino film. So it's like, yeah, yeah it's going to have a cult audience. It's just a smaller cult audience than you know, some yeah, of his I'm other. Among the kind of fans who think that you should agree about what the worst one. That to me is so anti movie. Why would yeah. you? Why would large groups agree about it? It's, ugh, that's not. Well, they shouldn't be promoted that idea. And Planet Terror has been kind of forgotten. Nobody, everybody talks about Death Proof. You always hear Death Proof because of what Aaron said, getting talked about as the weakest Tarantino film. But you never hear about just Death Proof on its own. Which is surprising given the amount of stuff in that. Like if that movie came out today, you know how many memes would be about with like the oh the, yeah the, the the gun the the gun leg and El El Ray on the little pocket bike and right the, the Doctor yeah. Block stuff with Josh. Brolin you guys are all deputy, that movie. You guys are like, all deputies now. I mean, there's so much stuff that would like all the stuff with the barbecue sauce. I love the barbecue it. sauce. Stuff Bruce, Bruce, Will, Bruce Willis trying in a movie to have fun. Yeah, I mean, Bruce I want fun in that. I want you to look at me like Jeff Fahey looks at Michael Bean. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Bean. Like Michael Bean would have got a career resurgence. Michael Bean was in Thanksgiving too. <laughs> yes, he is. Along <laughs> with like guess. half the cast of Hostel. Um, Thanksgiving because he like made that during Hostel too. Oh yeah, Jay Hernandez is in Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Jay Hernandez. Uh, all right, <laughs> and let's not forget Nicolas Cage was in Grindhouse as Doctor yeah. Fu Manchu. Yes, um, there was the, the yeah the you're not wrong as far like age wise. Yes, I just wasn't able to see some of these coming out in theaters, so like my audience experience you know would would be different. But at the same time, Grindhouse seeing like the surprises in store for audience just based off the, you know the shock elements the shock value between the trailers or just whatever was going on in planet terror or death proof that's a hard thing to replicate like i and i have yeah i i had a lot of i saw django a number of times at theaters and there's a lot of things that happen that get to like audience applause and what have you but it's that, that this kind of experience which you know just won't happen again really i mean unless Hobo with a shotgun makes a giant rip come back, and there's a sequel. What does it say that making a that making a fake double feature is too postmodern a concept for people? Like that's depressing. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty easy joke to get. You know, it's a joke. It's two movies. Yeah. No, this is too, that's too complicated. Well, I mean, it's, it's also why like the anthology film is still kind of rare. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get that too often. It's a lot of straight-to-video stuff, it's too. Certainly not in a mainstream affair, either. Like yeah, This true. this did inspire like a subgenre of, of kind of recreating these, but they were all yeah. straight-to-video. Mm. Yeah. Oh, all yeah, right, like Hobo people, with like, a Shotgun and those the things. The only one that hit theaters was Machete. Machete, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and to an extent you can like look at the horror avenues and see where like Eli Roth and others have like gone mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. do something similar but even then it's still you know they're modern films yeah uh, yeah I mean <laughs> beyond like someone like Edgar Wright who certainly has you know he's, he's doing a, an homage touch to like a lot of his features and what he's doing like there's mm-hmm. something like you know you're not getting a lot of this <laughs> right. for better or worse and it'd most likely be worse anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Edgar Wright did his take on the driver recently, but it doesn't like look like no, it's the, it's the, driver. the latest and greatest. Yeah. It's a digitally shot film that <laughs> looks mm-hmm. fantastic as far yeah. as like its cinematography goes. Uh, all right, we've talked a lot about Tarantino, a little bit about Death Proof. I think this is time to um, wrap up the uh, the old commentary here since the movie's been over for at least three minutes now. Um, yeah, this this has been fun. But the, me- <laughs> but the menu fun. goes forever. That's right. Um, with all that in mind, where can people find more of your guys' work? Let's start with Peter. Uh, I'm uh, obviously most of my comments are basically on your podcasts, but uh, <laughs> I, you know I'm, I'm always still uh, posting my impressions on when I go to screenings on uh, Twitter and Instagram and stuff. But uh, I have not been writing lengthy things in a while. Yancy. Yancy Jack on Twitter, and definitely when I get the uh, the moral uh, strength, the uh, Milky Way Blues on, at Blogspot. Um, I'd like to add, I knew I was not going to get to do my rankings, and that's fine. <laughs> do it real quickly. No, 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 no. We'll see. We'll see. I, 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 will, not, I, I will hold you won't my, see me on this my show plugging again. until until you tell us. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ! I'm kidding. I don't care. Pulp Fiction is my favorite, and then. Uh, uh, maybe the entirety of kill bill and then and this one death proof my least favorite is uh hate flight uh, i don't love jackie brown as much as you guys do um inglorious bastards i like a lot django a little bit less yeah i don't know you know it's fluid but 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 in reservoir dogs it's hard for me to to, to, to take that one down and he, I just remember how striking it was when that was released as a debut feature it's just so hard for me to to get over how fresh it was at the time despite the fact that it now feels a little bit anemic compared to his later stuff so it, it has a lot of, it has a lot of uh, it's it's still towards the top for me but Pulp Fiction to me is, 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 is the great sort of singular masterpiece but I'm looking forward to this new one riveting Brandon Peters what about you oh, where you people find more of your work <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can find you can find uh, typed up stuff at whysoblue.com and then a uh, podcast called Cinema Cavalcade, called cinemacavalcade.com, where we are uh, rounding out our year four with uh, a little bit of a three a three film awesome three film run from director Craig R. Baxley of doing uh, Action Jackson, I Come in Peace, and Stone Cold. So check oh, it out. Oh wow, Action Jackson's fun. Oh yeah, all three of them are really fun. I just haven't seen them. I like I like Action Jackson. <laughs> if you like Action Jackson, there's no doubt you like the other two. They're like, yeah, Craig R. Baxley knows how to shatter glass and blow shit up. It's pretty awesome. All I remember about about uh, what's the third one? I come in peace or Stone Cold. Stone Cold. All I remember about that is that there's a bar in it called Tit for Tat mm-hmm. that Brian Bosworth goes to. That's all I remember about that. I know, can, riveting, uh, riveting, right, Aaron? <laughs> you can find everything I do over We Live Entertainment and Why So Blue. All my stuff ends up at thecodazeek.com, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all the other episodes of this podcast at iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all that. Uh, thank you, Peter Yancey and Brandon, for joining me to discuss Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Thank yeah. you. I'm, I guess yeah. I'm not ghost. 
Good times. Yeah, sometime in the next week, you'll see me eating nachos. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that's going to do it for this month's commentary. What's next? August? August is next, Brandon? What do we... Uh, there's Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Honestly, my we mind could do tra- Tango and Cash. Hobbs and Shaw, Tango and Cash. Oh, I like That's Tango and Cash. Not a, a not a bad idea. A Honestly, fun no, one. my my mind kind of drifted to what if we did Six Sense for that twentieth anniversary? I thought that might be an interesting thing okay. we could possibly do. But we'll see. We got some ideas. There's there's a lot there's plenty of things going on. Oh, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this commentary. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Swing it, swing it higher